0: Looking for coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience you have been missing? Then your next coffee order should be from CStateCoffee.com. CState Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted on order, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 20% off your order by using Grind 20. That is G-R-I-N-D and the number 20 for 20% off your C State Coffee order. Head over to SeastateCoffee.com so you can enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with State Coffee. This week on the Route 16 grind and the outdoor update, I'll talk about the passing of H.R. 2435, Accelerating Veterans Recovery Outdoors Act, and we're going to look at the government fine print in action with an update from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And from the field, as the deer season in North Carolina is coming to a close, I'm going to talk about some of my hunts, what I learned, and what I'm looking forward to in the next deer season. In the rock, mud, dirt, I'm going to talk about parts, new parts that I have added recently to root the Jeep and which parts I selected and why. And go adventure, I'm going to have a great conversation with Sean from Jeep Hunt Outdoors. Then I wrap up the show with a cup of Joe. Route 1-6 grind, episode
1: 34. Jeep hunting and adventuring welcome to the route one six grind the podcast for outdoor adventurers if you wheel hunt fish overland or are an all-around adventurer this podcast is for you each week we pour a cup of sea steak coffee And talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup, sit back, and enjoy the show.
0: All right, welcome back to the Route 16 grind. I am Brian, your host, and I'm so glad to be back here. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of a minute since the last time that I've been on here. Uh, took some time off. I had to get a certification done for work. Uh, that was a goal of mine to do. And I was kind of putting off, putting off, but I need to put some time into study and doing for that. And I had some other projects that I was working on that I wanted to get to some personal projects. I had a, you know, I'm, I'm a ham radio operator. I think I might've covered that in a couple of shows, uh, during on here and I'll probably do some parts with it in the future, but, uh, I wanted to get the DMR set up and start using utilizing that. And that's basically doing ham radio, uh, over the internet. It's kind of neat, kind of fun, easy to do. Uh, something you guys may want to check out. And then, obviously, you know, family time. I want to really focus on spending some time with my family, and just relaxing and absorbing. It's been a crazy year, and I don't want to f- like uh, put those things that are important off. I, you know, in the military, uh, you're, you know, we always say our family is so important, but a lot of time they're absorbed in the fact that hey, you got to take off, you're not there. And, you know, they're kind of, you know, mom is running the house and taking care of everything. And the kids got to step up. So, I, you know, I'm not in the military anymore. And, and I, I want to make sure to, you know, take some of my own advice and apply it. So I kind of, yeah, I took a little bit of a break and I appreciate all the people that hit me up and you just wanted to check out and make sure that I was doing okay. And I, I was, and I am, and I uh, assure you, everything's going good. I'm very happy what's going on. And I had a lot of feedback to the podcast, believe it or not. Um, I really appreciate you all. Hitting me up. I have some little, a lot of great ideas, uh, things that you all would like to do, and I, I'm going to start transitioning some things into the podcast through 2021. Um, some things, uh, definitely the logo is going to change probably a little bit. I have some really cool things that I'm working on, and I'm going to start kicking into gear and doing that. And then uh, I'll be sharing some of my volunteer stuff with you uh, throughout the year as well with what's going on with the cert. And again, if you guys are ever interested in how do you start that one-year local area, please hit me up. I got plenty of information. I can send you in a couple emails and, and get you rolling. All right, so let's get on with the show.
1: The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install, Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order.
0: Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, the weekly segment where we provide you with the stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. Great news, the Accelerating Veterans Recovery Outdoors Act was signed into law by President Trump early this month. But it's just the first step of many that need to take place before the first veterans who will hopefully benefit from the programs that are developed by this act. Remember, the Veterans Recovery Outdoors Act is provision within the Veterans Compact Act. The purpose of this provision was to establish an interagency task force comprised of members from Department of Veterans Affairs, Army Corps of Engineers, Department of Interior, and some other federal agencies Now, they're looking to identify barriers and make recommendations to increase the use of public lands and other outdoor spaces for veteran medical treatment. This task force has one year to submit a report with their findings and recommendation. My recommendation with you, to you all, the listeners, is to continue to stay engaged with your elected representatives to ensure that this task force does their job. And the findings are not politicized solutions They hold that hold zero value to assisting the veteran community. If you're an organization that helps veterans out, if you already have some great sound solutions that you're employing that you see great results with, you got to get involved. Get with your representative. Get that information to this task force. Heck, try to get up there and breathe The task force on what you're doing that's helping veterans. I know a lot of great groups that are out there. They do great things. Let's take it to the next level because the only way that this task force is going to be successful and what it's developed for is for us to get involved. If we expect the government to make a solution, expect that solution to be jacked up. Now, switching over, we're going to talk about the Land and Water Conservation Fund. This is a fund that I keep a close eye on, and there are many benefits to the Land and Water Conservation Fund. It reaches all the way down to local communities. Already this year, you know, we talked about how it it has become permanently funded, which is great. But there's always fine print when you look up the fact that you have nine point five billion dollars over the next five years in the hands of government bodies. As this fund is not a tax, but is fueled by earnings of offshore oil and gas leasing, this be, this fund becomes more appealing. The LWCF programs are managed by the Departments of Agriculture and Department of Interior. The USDA Forestry Service administers two LWCF programs, the State and Private Forestry Legacy Program and a National Forest System Land Acquisition Program. Department of Interior... Uh, They manage the federal and state programs as well. Their state program under the act provides matching grants for states for acquisition and development of public outdoor recreation sites and facilities. So like all your parks, your baseball parks, that kind of thing like that. They also delegate the authority to the state program that is given by the National Park Service. The federal program under the act provides the acquisition of land, water, and an interest to land and water for the federal by the federal government to secure public access as well as to conserve land for endangered and threatened species while also supporting voluntary conservation on private land. Understand that if you have a big department. And then there's bureaus within those departments. Each one of those have their own little process on how they approve or disapprove or accept for these programs are going to go into a land and water conservation program. There, this is kind of what I'm bringing out. There's so much bureaucracy that is built into stuff like this. With all this money, there are two federal departments that are fighting for dollars for projects. I don't care what you say. You have different government departments. They do fight for dollars. Every one of them wants to grow. Everyone wants to grow. So let's look at where all that money is being allocated to. So over the next five years, the $9.5 billion, here's the percentage that I was able to find. 70% of the national is going to the National Park Service. 15% is going to the Department of Agriculture Forestry Service. 5% to uh, Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, Another 5% to BLM or Bureau of Land Management. Uh, Another 5% to Bureau of Indian Education. And at least 65% of the money from the Legacy Restoration Fund must be spent on transportation projects. Non-roadside service for public viewing, facing visitors, you know, stuff like that. Um, Up to 35% of the funding for transportation, the focus will be connected to recreation and on improving access for active management of wildfires. So there's a whole rundown of where for percentage-wise where a lot of this money is being allocated to 2021 department of agriculture has a total of 220 million dollars allocated for proposed priority state and private forestry legacy program and priority national forest system projects associated with the land and water conservation fund as for the department of interior they have 126 million dollars allocated for their various projects There's more than I'm going to – there's more than that that is going on, but I'm going to focus on those numbers and uh, kind of those specific projects. Understand that states need to advocate for their projects. They just don't show up. They have to go through a process to apply and all that stuff. They need to make sure they contact the right agency within the right department. They also need to understand they're in competition with other state-specific projects and the states themselves, So when I say state-specific, I mean internally to their state. Then outside of that, they're competing with all the other states that are looking for dollars to be pulled in for projects that go into programs within their own uh, areas. Bring in the politics, and it's pretty much what it comes down to. uh, If you don't believe that some of these projects' approvals don't ride on uh, what Project 6 and whose district, I I think all of us are sadly mistaken. Uh, They're... Is influenced, no doubt, as these projects bring jobs. They enhance the property value in these districts uh, where these projects reside in. Um, you know, byproduct of increased property values, increased tax revenue. This is why, uh, for me, I think a fund like the LWCF and and how it's handled should be looked at closely. It should not be about kickbacks. Uh, it should not be about the. It's, it's it's not the full intent of what the fund is for. Uh, personally, you know, for me, I, I don't think the government's hands should be on should be out of the uh, the fund entirely. But hey, that's just me. Uh, as for states, when it comes to them getting their hands on these dollars, the states need to do their part. And I'll add to this: this fund is shared. It's not all about you and your state. Talking to you, New Mexico, uh, specific New Mexico, all six of their projects that were submitted to Department of Agriculture, they were approved. Now, for for reference. The states who did not submit or make the cut, generally, they only have one or two projects that are approved. Uh, or I should say the states that do submit and make the cut, they have one or two projects that are approved. Uh, New Mexico had six of their projects approved. The next closest states were California and Oregon. Uh, each of those states have three of their projects uh, approved by the Department of Agriculture. Now, when it came to the projects they submitted to Department of Interior, uh, focusing on fish and wildlife and park service, none of their projects that they submitted were approved. Now, a few groups were upset in the feeling that the reason they weren't approved was because of political uh, kick, you know, playback for one reason or another. Like, you know, maybe they didn't support this, maybe they didn't support that or some type of legislation. You know, it, it's really just political whining. Um this is one fund and it's distributed through a variety of different projects. And most states, when you go on there, and I'll put this in the show notes, when you go on the projects that are approved, it's not like all 50 states are are in there. You're looking at like maybe 20, 25. And most of the each the states that have submitted, they might have one project, either from Department of Agriculture, Department of Interior, or one from each, whatever. But it's not like, you know, there's a state that has like the biggest number was New Mexico and and uh, and that one, and they're still complaining. And that's just crazy. That's mind-boggling. But it's just the political spin that you see on these things that are out there. And I've seen that same political spin from organizations that you know I, I respect. But when you start diving deeper into these things and you start splitting it out, you start seeing things that are just shady on all sides of the aisle. And that's why I keep saying you have to get involved. You have to look at this stuff for what it is. Don't listen to the talking heads. Go read what's out there. And then advocate the things that are important for you and your community in understanding how this fund operates. Again, I, personally, I just think if you're able to get government hands out of this fund, put it into a third party. I do feel it will be organized and managed much better uh, because there and there'll probably be much uh, there'll probably be more accountability with it too. Uh, there'll be probably a lot, lot less waste because with government there's more bureaucracy. That means m- more hierarchy of, of uh, administrative fees and administrative uh, billets that you have to go through that are funded, etc. I think the money itself would be focused more on those projects that we're trying to obtain. Want a sports show? How about becoming a Route 1-6 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment that goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the link to our Patreon page.
1: The Red Worn Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warn.
0: When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my deer season here. Um, I had a great time during deer season. It's getting ready to close out. It is a New Year's Eve today, uh, the day I'm recording this. And so it's going to close up. I'm not going to be able to get out. Uh, This season, I think I did a really good job of scouting. Um, Everywhere I went to... Uh, in preparation. And I did a lot of focus on the private land, uh, the lease. I didn't really do any public land hunting, unfortunately. A lot of it came down to just time available to go out and do hunts. So I focus a lot on the area that I'm working on a lease with a, a couple of uh, friends of mine because I really wanted to learn that property. It's the first year I fully hunted that property and I really wanted to know it. And so that's where my goal was to get a better understanding of that. Uh, the the animal life in there and it's just it's going to be uh, continuously growing while i'm out there and i had a really good stand that i focused on i have put in uh, another stand i'll get to with that i was focusing on for my son and i to hunt out of and we had very good uh you know food plots and and you know corn uh, feeders all that kind of stuff so everything was really i think done pretty well in the preparation then when it came to season opener archery season I definitely let a good share of deer go by. I just wanted to kind of get a feel what was coming in, the size and all that. I didn't see any real champions, if you will, as far as like big bucks, four or five-year-old bucks with, you know, some, some King antlers and stuff. We do have a, a few like eight and 10 pointers that are out there probably creeping up on the three-year mark and the place that I, uh, do at least with two friends, um, we focus on a lot of QDMA things. We we want the mature the deer to mature up. Uh, if you get a healthy deer, you, you want it to be able to you know make other healthy deer, if you will. If we if we uh, see uh, one that is you know limp, wounded, uh, sickly, uh, definitely we'll take it out. So we do a lot of a lot of QDMA uh, things out there. So it's not just about filling the freezer, and I'm not I'm not in a position where I, you know, that's where I get on my protein either. And again, my focus this deer season was a lot on education of that specific area. Um, when I did get into the stand, unfortunately, it was warm days. I think two things were major factors in my hunting season were the 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 temperature. Uh, I think the humidity a little bit some of the humidity marks some of them today's humidity was was outside of a good range but it was also the deer started transitioning to more of a nocturnal movement cycle they like during hunting hours or sun up sundown hours uh, that the, what the sun's up uh, they weren't really moving a lot uh, some things you could do is actually just kind of you just walk through the brush and try and, you know, stir one up off of a bed down. And this is where you like doing some ground hunting. I wouldn't, this is not something I would necessarily do. I, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable in the areas that I do public land hunt because I don't really hunt out there as often. Um, and I don't know them well enough to, to say that someone's going to not be in a lane or not, but you can do that. Like in the, the area that we hunt for the private land, uh, a little bit more, um, you have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to your safety. It's not saying that someone that can't be out there doing something they shouldn't be and being somewhere they shouldn't be, but you have a little more flexibility. So you can kind of just get online or you just walk through the brush, try and stir one up uh, with, with a shotgun uh, shooting buckshot or, or, you know, um, slug or something. So I definitely stirred, did that one time and stirred some things up. And I didn't have really a good shot, so I didn't do it. Um, but, I mean, they're out there. Tracks everywhere we we have. And, and when I looked at trail cams, I had probably two cam, yeah, two cams that I focused on. And, I mean, there will be like six, seven doe sitting on one of those cams. Uh, definitely a lot of doe out there. So those those, those young bucks are pretty happy. But I, I spent a lot of time walking around, looking at tracks, uh, looking at trails, looking at scrapes, and getting a really good understanding of that area. Now, far as successes, my son and I, we went out to the coast to uh, uh, Mount Moritalius Outdoor um, Adventures. That's where we went and did the pig hunt last year. So during the opening of Rifle, my son and I went out there that weekend to go hunt deer and pig. And it was, again, like, it was, you know, cold on Friday, but then it just turned warm for the weekend. So it was just really crazy. Uh, Did not see a lot of stuff. Did not, you know, like, we were out, we saw a lot of, like, you know, raccoons, possum, that kind of stuff. Did not really see any, uh, I don't think I did see any pig at all. Um, It was pretty warm. And then when we went out to the different areas, uh, my son, actually, the only deer we saw my son was able to harvest and initially thought it was a doe, uh, but then it ended up being a button buck. And he yeah, asked, so he was able to to harvest that and uh, be the hunter of the year for, for us when it comes to deer. Um, and then, you know, I think after that, I focused on some other projects. I didn't really get out. I think I got out one more time after that weekend. Uh, so I didn't really spend too much time in the stand. I definitely when I would go out to uh, put in corn in the feeders and stuff, I would walk around. We have a lot of rabbit out there. We have a lot of squirrels, dove. Uh, I think we're going to be able to lease a, a, a field that's adjacent to a majority of the area that we we have for hunting. So next dove season, I'm looking at utilizing that field. But it's a great property. Very fortunate to be able to get that. And I will tell you this. I learned a lot about my gear um, I went, you know, cause I'm not this really the first time in my life. I really committed to tree stand hunting and, you know, having hooks, things to hook on, obviously area to secure off of how, you know, how you work what your harness and stuff, how you bring gear in, how you bring it up. Um, I definitely, you know, utilizing uh, a rest, uh, is another thing. And it's also different between, Hey, if it's archery, if you're bringing in a rifle, a uh, shotgun, uh, what have you, and then, I got a really good understanding of uh, what 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 particular corn, as silly like this might sound, but I found that I had a lot more movement with one brand of corn to the other. Now, some of you it may not have that. Uh, but, you know, I would love to hear your feedback on it, but there was a particular brand that uh, I found that as soon as these deer smelled it, they just wanted to go eat it up, and you would see the result of it, too, because we would put some on the ground and... It, it would you would see a lot more of the corn gone uh, the next day versus you know other ones where you might just see nibble here nibble there and then some you know nibbling around the grass or you know I also planted some deer radishes uh, those should be full blossom for next season but overall I learned a lot and, and that's where the focus was at that really is where it was at um, I think next year I, if I see an early uh, opportunity I'll probably take it uh, just to be straight up just because the way the weather uh, was this time I was planning on the you know time where it was supposed to get cold to be cold, and that just didn't happen. It's just really getting cold in the last couple of weeks. Um, so hey, lesson learned. If there's an opportunity in uh you know the first weekend, I know there's some some individuals they'll say hey if I see it I'm going to take it, and it just for me it's just everyone going to have their own uh, approach to how they're going to hunt and and what specific they're, they're what specifically they're going to harvest, and it's also a lot based off of you know what your goal is i don't need to tag out i mean i think my goal this year was to try and and get you know a couple and anything beyond that would have just been a bonus but i'm not i don't think i'll i don't think right now i'm, I'm at a place where i feel that i need to harvest six deer which is the amount of tags that you get here in north carolina you get four doe and two bucks uh so or you know i should say four antherless deer and two bucks but yeah so the uh as far as my son, I mean, I was really proud of that because initially uh, it was like just sitting there in this and in, uh, we we're actually in uh, a blind and we're just sitting there not seeing anything. And this, you know, going on that hunt was interesting because he's older now and he's got a little more confidence uh, with hunting. We've gone, you know, pig hunting before, dove hunting. Maybe some of you all might remember that. And, and also we'll do a lot of scouting. I'll take him out, do some scouting. And, and when we're doing the feeders, he'll be out there with me. So he's got a lot of confidence going on. And then, you know, when we're looking, he he's realized that hunting's a lot of sitting, wait, and be patient. It's not just sitting there going, oh, hey, there it is, take it, and that's, you know, you're only out there 15, 20 minutes, and it, it's all done. Um, I think he learned a lot of the aspect of that because there's a, a lot of times you go out where you're unsuccessful versus every time you go out, you can't be successful. And looking across North Carolina there, it seemed to be kind of a, uh, dismal season for a lot of hunters. And what I mean by that is it just, they didn't, there wasn't a lot of success that you know, when you compare to other ones. And again, I think a lot of it had to do more with the temperature than anything else. And I did see in other areas cause you, you I, you, what I like doing is like looking at groups in different areas across the state and see what those patterns are with that deer. And I noticed with them too, a lot of nocturnal activity versus daylight, um, I talked to one of my uh, partners there at the lease, and there's some things that we're going to try out. I don't really want to put it out there yet. I want to actually try it and see if it works and it, whether it works or not, I will share it with you. But next year season, we're going to try some things that, you know, hopefully will stimulate them to move around more in the daytime versus, uh, you know, just wait until the sun goes down. And it, it, and I tell you what, the one, the times that I did see deer in my stand literally was like that 10 minute window before sunset was the biggest one. It wasn't even like the daylight. It was actually sunset. So like, you're sitting in there, I would get in like, you know, say one o'clock in the afternoon and I would sit in that stand all and all the way till sunset. Sunset at sometimes it would be like seven o'clock and, you know, 10 minutes till seven o'clock, you know, that does deer would show up and walk through and nibble and, and all that stuff. And it was very routine like that. But yeah, it, I had a really good time. I got to spend uh, time in a in a double stand with my son. We put uh, a double stand up in that lease area. We found I've just this one giant circle area that we, you know, put the deer radish in, put corn in. There's also a large lane we're going to put another stand in, and it was really cool <laughs> sitting up there with them. Because my he learned a lot of lessons of preparation. There were some things that would help him to stay warmer. It was a super cold day that morning that we were out there. It was like 30 degrees, 28, 30 degrees. And so he learned a lot about, hey, gear, how he could set it up a little bit better. Because now there's two of us. Uh, how we can bring up, how who goes up first, how we bring stuff up, how we orient, how we situate. And then on top of it, understanding how to be ready. So you have to set, for me, it's about having your gear set up. Uh, your whatever you're going to take with him in a hip situation was a rifle. Having that already ready to go before, you know, so you're not moving around. It's probably a better way to say it, not moving around to when when you see your opportunity because you're probably going to spook it and it's going to probably leave and you know, you're going to be all sad. But I had a very good time. I noticed that a few couple friends of mine had some really great success in, in other states and I'm really happy for them. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's all about learning. And I, I was hoping to get uh, a pretty good uh, um, a deer this year. It just didn't happen. It wasn't in the cards. But it also goes into the fact you have to get out there. You have to make yourself available and really look at that schedule. And I think next year what I could do better is look more at the weather patterns and find those days where I feel I'm going to have better success based off those weather patterns. Uh, a lot of times I would literally would just say, oh, I have some time. I'm just going to get out there and go. I really didn't. You know, the day was the day. There was no really set, you know, reason or focus to why, you know, hey, the humidity humidity's right, the temperature's right, whatever the case may be. I really didn't look at that. I didn't look at the fact of, oh, well, I'm not doing nothing right now. i just get out there. Um, next year, I'm going to try to take more of, if you will, a, a scientific approach to, to some days and, and, and make sure I do that. And I think if we do go back out to the coast and do hunting, because I really like going out there, I really like the guys that run that. Um If we do go out there, I probably will push myself later into November, December range, probably December range to go out there. Um, We might do like a combo bear hunt or something like that. But I think we'll push out because that way I have more opportunity for it to be cold versus potentially like uh, a fall spring that we might have here in North Carolina. But I don't know about how your season went. Uh, If you want to share it, let us know. As far as things that are outside of deer season, you know, you got rabbit, you got squirrel, Uh, So some opportunities to go out there. And I'll I'll tell you what, hunting a squirrel rabbit is fun. And, you know, rabbit's pretty good. I I have not yet... um had a cause actually if actually remember I went out squirrel hunting on like the last day of squirrel season and, uh, I couldn't find a squirrel. And I, that's why I was saying like, Oh my God, I understand the purpose of a squirrel dog now, but I think here I'm probably going to go out, go take my son out squirrel hunt. I might go out and we'll probably do some rabbit and, and do that. So I'll be fine. And you know, right around the corner is Turkey season and the new year. Really looking forward to that. Totally ready for Turkey season. Uh, no zero doubt. I'm going to have success on that. Um, And I'm looking forward to it. And I think the goal is just to where if my son gets one, I get one. Uh, Pretty happy. Anything outside of that, we get two tags here in North Carolina. Anything outside of that is just a bonus, but really looking forward to it. I have to give a big shout out to lacrosse as far as the boots that I wear. Those things are awesome. I have snake boots uh, that they make. I can't remember the exact style, so forgive me on that one. They are amazingly comfortable. If you want to hit me up and ask me what style they are and all that, I'm more than happy to share that. But if there's going to be one piece of gear that I have to say this hunting season I am so impressed with and I'm grateful for, it's my boots. My feet were never a problem. And I did a, a lot of walking, a lot. I did a lot of scouting and never had an issue with them. Uh, from the moment that I got them out of the box, that I put them on, they have been comfortable and they are in great form, great shape. They have been wet, soggy, muddy everything in between and they are really holding up they're probably two years old now and i really appreciate them and again it's like little things like that that you can do to enhance your experience and to ensure that you can your focus can be on the game you're hunting and you can enjoy that experience so if you want to share your deer hunting experience uh, this year please uh, send a pic tell us the story Uh, There's some great ones that are out there. I I think I shared with everyone the uh, button buck my son got. I'm so excited. I was so proud of him. He does have the uh, skull sits on his desk. he got his pig skull and he's got his uh, button buck skull next to him. And yeah, if you guys want to share some of your hunting experiences out there, lessons learned, or even gear that you enjoyed wearing that you felt complimented your hunt, no doubt, if you want to have a good hunting experience, you got to have good gear. We'd like to feature your success in outdoor adventures, so shoot the pics over to us with a brief story. Root16.com, select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact.
1: Take your rig to the next level with the Nexen Rodian MTX, featuring an aggressive tire design that's extremely versatile for on- and off-road driving. Each tire boasts a dual sidewall design that allows you to customize the look of the tire on your rig. The Nexen Rodian MTX might have rugged traits, but thanks to its patented tread block design, road noise is minimized. Nexen's innovative technology state-of-the-art manufacturing and award-winning designs have ensured nexon is not an industry secret anymore when you need performance on the road and the trail choose nexon
0: welcome to the rock mud and dirt sponsored by nexon tire this segment where i talk about people brands and products and events from the off-road world this week i'm gonna talk about parts jeep parts specifically the parts that i put on route the jeep the brand jeep for route one six so I had to replace the front dry shafts. So I started getting that clicking. You know, when you turn, you put it in four-wheel drive, you hear like a click, click, click. And I researched that up on the web, and I learned that it was a front dry shaft. Initially, I thought it was going to be my gears, and uh, that wasn't it. It was definitely the front dry shaft, especially when we pulled it off. And you look at the the front part of it and it kind of like moves around. It was just nothing but dust coming out of it. So it was a good thing that I took it off when I did because that thing was going to split at some point. And I originally wanted to uh, get a uh, Omnix ADA front dry shaft. That was my first choice. But the the issue with that was it would have been on back order. It would have been on back order all the way to like I think uh, late January, February. I needed to replace it. Uh, no later than like uh, December. So with that one actually being out um, and way out, I went and selected the uh, Smitty built, uh, non cv style front drive shaft, and that's part number five five eight two seven b for Smitty built. And I have to say like there are friends of mine that had this drive shaft. They've used it for a few years. So I was very confident in you know purchasing this item and understanding that there haven't been any issues. There are, you know, you look at reviews, there are some people that have this or that. I think some of it was from poor installation, uh, things that they didn't plan for, whatever the case may be. And, but everyone that I know that has these, which is a pretty good handful of people that are running them, they've had nothing but positive, uh, reviews of it. So I went with that because it was available. And, uh, far as uh, my price point, it was a, a pretty decent price point. So I'm pretty happy with it. Very easy installation. Wasn't too complex, uh, I had nothing but uh, good things to say about it uh, with that. Now, when you if you do go with that specific model, you do need to purchase not just the drive shaft itself, but you also need to purchase the uh, the um the yoke eliminator. You're you're going to need to have that. So that part, make sure you, you have that as well. Uh, some other things that i replaced are the springs. I've had Rubicon Express springs on for about seven, seven and a half years, eight years, whatever the case may be. And I've enjoyed them, but I was starting to get a lot more play than I wanted, specifically driving every day, making a turn and whatnot. So I did some research and I wanted to get something where for a daily driver, um, I was going to be a little bit better ride in some aspects, specifically in the turns. And so I went ahead and selected the Skyjacker soft ride front uh, coil springs. And I also got rear coil springs that were Skyjacker. And I've really got to say it was a really good installation, real not too complex. Uh, I had help with that. And they run real well. It, my vehicle seems a little bit more stiff. in in some aspects, but I am getting the articulation where I need to. I'm not doing massive rock crawling. Like uh, a lot of guys do my jeeps getting a little bit older. So I need to be a little bit more uh, uh, protective of it, uh, if you will. Uh, there's a couple things I want to replace it before I go back out and do some crazy stuff and on top of it it's it's a daily driver I don't have it for a crawl build it's it's for you know some good technical train but nothing too extreme uh, even in the Rubicon package that I have with the Dana 44s but those skyjackers I tell you what initially I was a little bit hesitant uh, i looked at reviews and and for what I was supposed to be looking for nothing but good things uh, if I was if those weren't available I probably went back to Rubicon Express uh, with that Um, I do have a a two-and-a-half-inch lift, and I noticed that I did have a little bit of a dip. The uh, Rubicon Express seemed to give it a a little bit more of a body lift with their springs. Uh, Not so much with the Skyjackers, but that was not something that, I mean, I'm here nor there on on that far as the the springs themselves. Uh, So, really happy with that. I also replaced the front sway bar. So, I got the sway bar itself was a Rubicon Express sway bar. Uh, Real easy installation with that. Uh, Very, uh, you know, just... (laughs) You know, if, if if for me, I had to replace the electronic sway bar. Uh, that whole piece was just done. It was actually in two pieces. Uh, it didn't lock, uh, and when it, well, I should say, it was always in sort of a locked mode. Uh, and you could not disengage it. I had an adapter where I would turn and it would, you know, open it up, but that didn't work anymore. So I was like, you know, I'm going to take this whole thing out and just put in a sway bar, put that, that one in there. And then far as the, uh, disconnects, I went with a rock crawler disconnects. I got to say, I'm really happy with those. I can pull them right off. Uh, I know with some of the newer packages that come with straps, you can tie them down, uh, and you can buy those separately as well. But the rock crawler ones, a real easy installation, uh, follow through pretty well. Um, You got to get those screws off of the height itself for where it matches up with the sway bar. You want the sway bar parallel. You got to make sure there is. I do recommend, even though those come with the lock nuts, you want to put Loctite or something on there. I did have one that was coming a little bit loose, and I noticed, and that was the one. I can't remember which one I didn't put Loctite on. Well, I found out, and it did come a little bit loose. So you want to make sure that you do that as well. But those are the current things that I put on there. I've been; they've been on there for over a month now. I'm very happy with them. I have gone off road with all those things, and and I'm very very uh, happy with it. One other thing I forgot to even mention were the uh, outer seals for my Dana 44. I had to replace those. Uh, definitely utilize a shop for that. Uh, Mechanic did those, and also replaced the inner seals. I gotta say the 1010 products that I use for those outer seals. Uh, yeah, those things are tight. I always, I replaced my inner seals in a couple times. I always had somewhat of a leak. Uh, maybe it was a, just a bad installation. You, you say what you want. I mean, I went and got good ones, but I, I saw some good reviews with the 1010 products. I got those, and I'm very happy with that. Not a drip coming out of my outer seal, pretty happy with that, and the inner seals it just needed it was time replace those and, and pretty happy so my dana forty four as far as like any drips or oozes and splats not that thing ain't happen anymore but yeah root the jeep is getting some miles on it I mean, it's, it's, you know it's two thousand eight Rubicon j k u has over 200... I think we're sitting about 220,000 miles now. So, there's a lot of different things they have to do with it. It's just that time uh, to replace some things before things bust. And I'm looking at also replacing the radiator, the intercooler, uh, a lot of the the hoses and stuff. Just trying to pull those things out. And... Um, put new stuff in so route the jeep can kind of keep on going for another 200 400 or even more a thousand miles i'm pretty happy with it gotta take care of it i don't see me owning another vehicle no any y'all there are some uh, pretty nice ones that are out there but yeah maybe a second vehicle that's a little you know more modern i don't know we'll see it but i'm pretty happy so that's what i've been up to i've been doing a lot of different things with route the jeep i got a little a lot of more a little bit more work to do with it um and I'll keep you posted with what those things. You have any questions on the products that I chose? A lot of it had to do with accessibility and price point. Like, like seriously, and, I, and I'll obviously a lot with the reviews itself. But if you have any questions on those things, hey, feel free to reach out to me. Um, why I selected that. I mean, there were, I have access to a lot of different brands and I could have gone higher end on on some things, but if if there's not a need to do that, if I was rock crawling every day, I probably would change certain products. But I'm not rock calling every day. I'm, I'm using my vehicle to drive in and out. And then I, when I have a chance, I go out and wheel. So kind of look at it from my lifestyle with uh, Route G Jeep in that aspect. All right. So yeah, hit me up. If You have any questions on that stuff. I'm more happy to share. And if you need help parts getting parts, you know where you should go. It's root16.com. Go adventure. Welcome to the Go Adventuring segment. This is the segment we celebrate people, groups, and organizations that bring positive outdoor adventures to you. This week we talk about we talk with Jeeper, Adventurer, Overlander, Duck Hunter, and avid outdoorsman Sean from Jeep Hunt Outdoors. Sean, welcome to the Route One Six Grind. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's great to have you. I know that we just kind of reached out today and we talked a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on. You got a pretty active lifestyle we want to definitely talk about. Tell us a little about yourself and uh, where you're at and what you're about. So uh, basically, I retired out of the military after
2: about 23 years. Um, I know this is going to sound funny to a lot of our veteran guys out there, but I did four years in the Marine Corps, four years in the Army, and 15 years in the Air Force.
0: Oh man. So So, you started off hard. You went, you know, you kind of just worked yourself to where I I need a little bit easier life.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, there was a, there was a lot of decision-making process and I'll be honest with you. And I know it's going to upset a few people, but I will still tell you that the Marine Corps was the best branch of service to be in. I definitely still consider myself to
0: be a Marine. Oh, once Marine, always Marine devil. I really
2: enjoy that life. Yes,
0: exactly. You just go so temporary assignment to those guys. You're still a Marine.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, loved it. Um, it was a great time. Basically, you know, every job that I had, I was a 0311 with a secondary 0331 in
0: the Marine Corps. So you had the good life. A lot of my outdoor time. Yeah, yeah. good life. So you're infantry, oh. for those people <laughs> that may not know those numbers, yeah. that straight leg grunt right there.
2: Yep. So I'm proud of it. I know there's, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to other Marines where we've just, no matter where you're at, what you're doing, what your job was, um, there's always a bond there and it's unshakable. It seems like. So it's, it's a great organization to have, to be a part of, I should say not to be part of it, but yeah, great time. Um, went into the army, was infantry again for four years it was not the best time in the world, but it served a purpose. And then I went into the air force and I was a cop for 15
0: years. I no kidding. So security forces. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you travel around a lot. Also, you know what? Um,
2: to be honest with you, I, I did most of my traveling while I was in the Marines and, uh, army. Um, the air force, I didn't really, I stayed at one base for 15 years.
0: No kidding. That's was crazy. Part
2: of, it is. And you know, it, a lot of guys don't know this, but there's an AGR program out there. It kind of, it's a good program and it's a bad program. Um, rank development sucks. You get locked into these positions. And you sign on contracts every four years, just like you know your regular one does. you're active duty, but you fall underneath the reserve or a g r command, so you get kind of locked into those those spots, and the only way to get out of them is to actively try to go to another base, get accepted, and then switch your orders over to that new base, so they don't just automatically transfer you so some people look at it as bad, some people look at it as good, but for family life, it actually helped out a lot. You're still able to serve your country, do your job, do something you enjoy and still have, keep your family in one spot and in the whole, you know, good life. Keep hey, happy, you know, happy wife, th- happy life.
0: Yeah, man, that's not a bad deal. And it's great. You had that opportunity and, you know, it seemed to work out for you. So you, so far as your like outdoor stuff and everything did that, that come a lot from you know, your military service, I think you mentioned something about that earlier. Uh, was that where you first got? Yeah, it? It, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, it's, uh, I've always kind of been outdoors. I I grew up, you know, around animals and doing 4-H and FFA. One of those, one of those kids in your school.
0: No kidding. And, Future uh, Farmers of America, man. That's a yeah. program that I think we need more of, honestly.
2: Oh yeah. No, definitely. There's uh there's a lot to be said for getting outside and doing an honest day's worth of work and and just uh how do you put it? Just be in touch with nature and the outdoors. There's there's a lot to say. No, for I'm that. with
0: you, man. When I was there's a kid wrong with... Oh, I'm sorry.
2: No, no, no. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, um I did a lot of rough network out in West Texas. Uh my uh friend's grandfather owned a bunch of land out there and he had watermelon cattle and he also had oil you know oil wells and stuff and i'm telling right now when i worked out there i was ready for the marine corps absolutely was like you know (laughs) as far as getting up early and all that like all the things that are culture shock uh, when people get in boot camp of course you know you went to marine corps boot camp and you understand like You you see guys have just never, you know, had a regimented schedule they had to stick to and they didn't know how to adapt to that right off the bat where you're like, okay, it's three in the morning, got to get up, got to feed those cows by four, you know, like, which makes no damn sense because cows eat 24 hours a day. So i still to this day can tell me why I got to get up at, you know, three in the morning to feed a cow. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's on the first thing on the list.
2: Well, you know, it's funny is cause like that three o'clock in the morning, we didn't have a lot of cow- I raised a beef steer one year, but I had a lot of goats. Okay. And the biggest thing about getting up early in the morning and doing the goats is I had to feed the goats. And I also had to milk like 10 head of goat before I got on the bus to go to school. So which means eating your breakfast, getting cleaned up. So you don't smell like crap when you go to, when you go to school, when you're sitting next to all your other students in the right. classroom and, uh, you know, just getting your day started that way. And then when you come home, it's like, rinse and repeat. You're doing it all again.
0: Yeah, and know. homework's a vacation, homework, actually. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is people are so, like, yeah, I can sit here and just, like, study and not, like, have to do physical labor. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know when I took the I took a few college classes when I was in the military and it was it was a lot easier to do schoolwork then than it was when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) I mean it's great that you appreciate that. It like, you know, the 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 aspect of time management and then when you realize how much you can really fit in a day when you work that and then when you don't have those roles and those duties anymore and you get into the world in a different aspect, you're like, Man, I have so much time. Like and you're man i i got stuff i can do it's just crazy when you have those opportunities and you know what to do with them it's probably the best better way to say it because oh. sometimes you do the wrong things
2: oh yeah for sure i we were all young marines one time we used to do a lot of wrong things so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all classified
2: <laughs> so <laughs> when uh
0: when did you uh like so were you hunting when you were a kid as well Actually, no,
2: I didn't do a lot of hunting when I was a kid. I didn't really start doing any hunting until I retired to be honest with you.
0: No kidding I did
2: some fishing when I was growing up. yeah it was it was one of those um, it was one of those things I always kind of wanted to try. wasn't really sure where I wanted to go with that because I mean most hunters you could look at a hunting rag and there is a lot of options out there. And there's a lot of restrictions as well, you know? So it was like my first three, four years, I literally tried to hunt everything Mm -hmm. I could possibly do just to figure out what I wanted to do. And to be honest with you, I'm still kind of learning things now. So like, you know, some of the hunting things are taking me in different directions, which I'm having a lot of fun with.
0: Now you're up in uh, Washington state, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah so, central. Yep. Yeah, so i am just thinking, looking at, uh, you know, far as game that's up there and stuff. So you got a lot of, a lot of game actually out there.
2: Oh yeah. You can elk bear, cougar deer. Um, there's Turkey hunting. You can even apply for a moose tag once in a while. And you're not going to get one all the time. There's also big horn sheep.
0: So oh, wow. a
2: lot of, a lot of different variety. So, I mean, there's, some of the tags, I mean, yeah, you got to put in for a tag. And you know, if you get drawn that year, you're good to go, you know, certain areas, you know, all the good little things that go with the wildlife game department.
0: Yeah. But, it, um, in every state's yeah. different, you know, um, is it veteran friendly oh, yeah. now? So you're retired. Do you, are you able to utilize some of your benefits for that?
2: Oh yeah. I, uh, So, I'm not trying to go into too deep on it right now, but I have, I put in all my stuff through the VA and got 100% rating. I turn that over to the game department. So, I get a discount on my hunting license, amongst some other stuff. But the hunting license is a little bit cheaper for me. And then, to be honest with you, I've done it in a couple other states. Like, I go down to Cali, you know, a couple times a year. I got family down there and um, I put my, turn in all my paperwork for that and i get a discounted hunting license down there as well so any of you vets out there not taking advantage of that you you need to oh well, I'm, really I'm with you to.
0: in north carolina uh if you get i think above a 50 rating um you can apply for a one-time fee i think it's 120 bucks you get all the tags for deer any of the big game tags so deer and turkey here you get all those tags you can also get yeah. saltwater and fresh water. Freshwater altogether lifetime 120 you get those all you gotta do is submit your name every year to get your new license or your new tags i should say and, and all that there's a there's a special sportsman license that you can apply for and it, dude, that's a man that's a big deal right there um but, oh yeah so it, i agree with you like you know veterans you're out there if you're if you're not utilizing some of those benefits and people that aren't veterans you know this is not us you know it's just a reality of, you know, of service, you know, you you spend 20 years and, and that, and the way I always tell people said, you know, you don't really get anything for free because, uh, that that's pretty much, you know, uh, the agreement of, uh, services rendered. So like you're, you know, you'll get a a benefit far as from the VA medical care. So I, I, yeah, I don't, I just, I find it interesting when people say, well, you get free something. No, it, definitely cost me something no. so it, it was services yeah, rendered it was and, and all that it's paid for so <laughs> we're good
2: yeah. um no i'm, I'm with you I, I actually spent a long time freaking not taking advantage of the services because i always felt like i didn't deserve them for some
0: reason so many veterans and, struggle know, you, with that which is i mean i get it i mean i understand and um it always takes someone nudging you i mean i had to get nudged
2: Oh, yeah. I had a bunch of people nudging me left and right about it and finally did it, turned it all in. It was was like, holy smokes. You know, even when I did the VA turn-ins, I just kind of turned it in. I didn't really push for anything. Right. And, you get your um, stuff and you're like, okay. So I yeah. To,
0: yeah. And I, I,
2: I ended up submitting twice because I actually, believe it or not, my VA therapist, because I go to therapy every... Now, it used to be every two weeks, but I go to therapy every two months now, which is good. But, um, he's the one that pushed me to finish turning in all my paperwork. He's like, you need to do this. You rate it. It yeah, it belongs to you. You know, he's like, you need to take advantage of what is being offered to you. And it's really not taking advantage of anything. It's being offered to you, but you have to stick your hand out there and grab it. And if you don't, you're not
0: going to get it. And it takes work actually. Like there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of appointments and a lot of follow-ups uh, so it's not like you put your name in and they read something and there's a lot of, you know, again, the follow-up appointments too, where, you know, your justification of your oh, reading yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's an intense process, take months to even years to complete. So yeah, uh, that's great. I'm, I'm happy that you're, you're able to, uh, you know, receive the benefits that you do. You definitely earned them and pursue the things that you're enjoying. Now, going back to the fact that you really didn't say so I'm, I'm kind of a little bit, similar to you in the aspect i i did some hunting as a kid and then when i went into the service i didn't you know when i joined the marines i didn't last thing i wanted to do was go back into you know the woods and do some hunting on the weekends i spent so much time in it during the week um or weeks if you will oh, yeah so when i retired i was thinking oh, i want to get back into hunting and stuff i've been retired 11 years now i didn't get back into hunting until a couple of years ago when i finally was like screw it i, I need to go do something i want to you know, increase my, uh, you know, personal therapy, if you will. And I got back in hunting. I I met a great gentleman, Chuck, uh, used to be one of the hosts of this show here and, and he helped me out and, uh, got me started in turkey hunting and the rest is in the book. And I got, I mean, going out and this podcast has a lot to do with it. So getting people out there and stuff. Um, so, but you, so very similar in the, in, in many aspects, but what really was the trigger for you, To say, you know what, I want to get back into hunting.
2: To be honest with you, I needed a way, you you kind of described it with your own personal therapy. Um, When I retired out of the military, I spent about a year of kicking around. I worked a part-time job. I was trying to work on the home that we got, which I'm still doing, but I've, I've learned to take a step back and it'll get done eventually. Um, but I wanted to really figure out a way to, to clear my head, to keep things on the correct path. And the only thing I could think of was get out outdoors, you know, do some hiking, do some fishing, you know, like go hunting and you, you meet cool people. All the guys I've went hunting with, none of them are military, but every one of them has done nothing but support and have my back a hundred percent and show me the ropes on right. a lot of this stuff. And it's just been an amazing journey. Like I think as military guys, sometimes we forget that our civilian counterparts, they're not always there talking crap about us. They're actually they're they're there, you know, ready to to lend a hand, you know, when they can, you know, which is which is awesome.
0: Yeah. They're, they're people. And I, I love what, how you said that too, because one of the things I think sometimes veterans struggle with is, you know, when they leave the service, they're kind of like, uh, the, the culture's different outside the service, obviously for its own reasons. And, you know, the cult that, you know, the civilian world is not going to adapt to how you feel it should be because of, you know, what you, how it was in the services. You need to find a way to it. Uh, just like anytime you went, Anywhere for your role, you had to adapt to that situation, adapt to the, you know the role that you're playing. Well, you know what, civilian life's no different. And again, engagement yeah. start with you. You need to be willing to engage, but also willing to respect the fact that hey, you know what, this guy may not have or this gal may not have any service experience. They might not know all your acronyms. They may not know you know what a big deal it was to be a grunt. You know, like they may not know all that stuff. So you you have to no, take that yeah, in
2: for sure.
0: You know, uh, and yeah. I think that's where the the trouble is. Is and that's why communication is so important. And and think of it this like you know, you know, honey became a bridge for you and the people within your community. Now you can share ideas, and that's a great thing. That is a great thing. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's how I kind of look
2: at it. It's, you know, you you need like like don't get me wrong. I know we we talk a lot about outdoors, but like a lot of us. You know, I, I still sit around the house, play video games once in a while. Let me know, like, I'm not going to lie to you, but you can't do that <laughs> we don't like liars here. These <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I hear so many horror stories of like guys locking themselves away and doing nothing but playing video games and they can't figure out why they're not getting any better, you know? And, it's uh, like, and I'm not saying this is the end all cure all, but it helps it. Especially like sometimes when you just get out with one or two guys, or just just by yourself, if you can, you know, if you've got a a safe environment to go to, where you can get out in the woods, and you know, you know, you're not too far away from anything, where you can get back if you need to, you know, under duress or whatnot, then get out and you know, just take a deep breath, pack a freaking lunch, you know.
0: Yeah, I I find so much peace. Yeah,
2: look over the valley.
0: It's, there is, man. There's so much peace out there. There's there's a lot more peace out there than people realize, but it's because they don't, they can't just move, you know, 30 minutes away from their center spot right now or something. They, peace is out there. And that's what I, that is one of the biggest yeah, things sure. that I enjoy is getting out there. And on top of it, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I love the whole challenge of nature. That, that That's, that's the thing is man always challenges nature and the reality is this nature will always win um and, and i'm not talking oh, about yeah. just the game i'm talking about the conditions all that stuff uh, like these animals are survivalists and you know the conditions they are what they are and you can study them you can look at it but things will change in seconds and you're like man this is crazy that this has happened and now you have to adapt to it and it's i enjoy those aspects of it and you learn every time, every time I go in the woods or, you know, it could be something so simple. Like, hey, I'm just going to do some simple scouting on this flat farmland. I learned something. Absolutely learned something. Yeah. I, you know, my gear could be better. Uh, how I walk in and walk out could be better. Um, how I'm tracking things could be better. You know, the the aspect of where I'm going to set up at could be better. Like, there's so many things that you could be improving on. And you know, when you hear to some of these old timers who've been who have been hunting the same property for so many years, and they're constantly learning, oh, yeah. that tells you something.
2: Oh yeah, no, for sure. Definitely agree with you on that. There's a uh, there's a lot to be said for Mother Nature and her healing capabilities, and also her teaching capabilities. So I think that I think that's what a lot of us lack. Sometimes when we get out, we're not learning. You remember having to do hip pocket classes
0: what's that like
2: you'd sit down you remember having to do uh like hip pocket training when you're in the. Military? oh yeah I, yeah yeah like kill time man spring.
0: 1300 formation yeah like, you, you know time.
2: <laughs> but they would always go over like the same crap and you're like sitting there thinking to yourself sometimes because you're staring off into space you're not paying half attention to the freaking corporal or the sergeant that was giving the classes you know you're 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 going on with this but If you really paid attention, you know, because every once in a while you did, you learn something new about something you already thought you knew a lot about. So, and I think that's the same way with, with hunting in the outdoors is those are hip pocket classes for us. We, we, we get out there and we learn something new. We discover something in an area that we've been to a million times, but yet all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's a cool looking rock. I've never seen that
0: before. You hit on a good point. You (laughs) You know, you have to be willing to listen though. You have to be in yeah. that condition you that, and you know, and that's it. Cause I, I know plenty, it's like being a teenager, uh, just shut it off, just sit there and look straight ahead. And you know, okay, I did my penance. I can go, but you didn't learn anything, but yeah, I know yeah. you have to be willing to w- listen. And it's gosh, man, it, it is, there's so much stuff that, you know, just you can find out a lot about yourself. It's probably a, a good way to put it too. You, you definitely get some oh, good yeah. time to think. And you know, if you really want to, Challenge yourself. I mean, hey, uh, I, there's plenty of different game out there. You can do it. I, I mean, deer hunting here because uh, I'm from Texas originally, and and you know, obviously it's it's a uh, open spaces and that stuff, a little bit of hill country, and you know all that. Here, it's pretty much put out a feeder, put up a stand, you know, a lot of uh, you know, plant some some food plots, uh, that kind of thing. And you know, I've, I've when I first started it, I was kind of like I felt weird. I, I never did deer stand hunting. And I felt weird about it. Now I'm kind of okay. But every time I go in and kind of, but I found that, you know, in the idea stand, I can really collect my thoughts. I can listen better. um, And just go, I mean, really I found that going back to the whole discipline mode because, you know, you don't, you're not doing a lot of moving around. You're not, you're just constantly moving eyes and scanning and you're ready. You're set up. Like at least in my idea stand, I'm set up. So if something just comes out, you know, I'm like seconds away from employing, you know, whether it's my bow or, or rifle, uh, to, uh, for the game that I'm going for there. But yeah, yeah. It, it, I've, I've, I've come to like it a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm fully there. I, I do. I think, I think that I'm going to look at doing more ground hunting next year, uh, than deer stand, just because I, I know that I enjoy that more, uh, in many ways, but that's a lot more challenging with deer, a lot more challenging. So. Oh yeah. But hey, you know Definitely. what? We're going to we're going to roll this all up into hunting, but we need to talk about all the other things that you do, man. So you also like a Jeep or too, man. You got like what kind of Jeep you got?
2: So I have a 2008 JK Unlimited the Rubicon model. Um I bought it used. Did not know what I was getting into. Like I'm, not <laughs> <having to watch. laughs>
0: like, I'm always broke now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, always broke. But the reality behind it was, to be honest with you, is like I didn't really know anything about Jeeps at all. And um, so I bought a used Jeep that had some wear and tear on it. Uh-huh. And if I knew now what I knew then, I would have definitely not bought the Jeep that I bought. But with that being said, I have, I'm so thankful I bought that Jeep because it's. It's a big part of my life. I mean, I use it for everything and I've learned so freaking much because I've had to replace this, fix this, do this, just to get her running good, you know, just to make sure that she's on par with whatever I gotta do.
0: How would you react the first time someone waved at you? That was kind of a weird moment. (laughs) You're like, what the (laughs) hell? I don't know that guy or girl. Yeah. It took me
2: a while to grasp that. Con- well, actually, it didn't take me a while. It, it took me a little bit to grasp the concept. So I had a similar thing happen to me with a different type of vehicle. You have a motorcycle. Right. And all the motorcycles, you know, they, they, they do their little wave yep. as you go by and stuff as a sign of respect. Boom. Good to go. So the first time it happened in the Jeep, I was like, why is this idiot waving to me? And it was a dude to top it off and i'm like why is this guy i don't know him i don't don't owe you money (laughs) yeah i don't owe you money i don't know you never seen that right didn't know what it was and actually reached out to another buddy of mine that had a jeep and i was asking him about it and then he kind of explained it to me and i was like you mean like the motorcycle guys do?' he's like yeah i kind of thought it was cool at that point i was like oh i belong to an elite special
0: club <laughs> you know what though i'm gonna tell you this so i had an xj for years so the old box cherokee model right for years yeah ain't nobody ever weighed at me i got I, I got a 2008 uh jku so we we got the same kind of uh frame there and when i bought that i was riding with a buddy of mine who's a who was a fellow jeeper and someone waved at me and i was like He's like, man, you didn't wave back. He got all upset at me. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, man, you've had a Jeep for how long? And I was like, dude, what, what? Yeah. So another buddy of mine, dude, it's not really a Jeep way. It's a Wrangler way, and I, I will agree with that because ain't nobody waving at no patriots and liberties and you know. I don't care what social media says. They're all liars. <laughs> Those guys are liars. I've yeah. never ever seen. Now you'll get sometimes an XJ. You'll get like the the wave is getting, uh, and then your mjs your your uh, comanches and stuff like i'll see guys like that um but you know no man it just was not something common. i and i had a 89 xj for years drove all around the country ain't nobody waved at me so it's a wrang- wrangler wave and if that, if that hurts anybody's feeling out there i don't <laughs> okay, care I it's, a <laughs> it. it's a reality it is a wave <laughs> you know yeah like harp
2: like I wave at a lot of guys that have Wranglers, you know. Like I wave at every Wrangler I see. Yeah. Now I know a guy that has a the old school Gladiator, you know, the old Jeep oh, yeah. truck. Yep. Mm-hmm. The old one. Yep. I wave to him all the time. Like and as you we should didn't know each other, and we are waving for months. And then I finally met him and was like, dude, you're the guy that drives the orange pickup truck. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's awesome, dude. Love that. But it's because it's nostalgic, you know, and it's right. So in the Jeep world, like I would have waved at you because the older Cherokees and Comanche, I mean, those are just iconic type vehicles. Right. Now, what I hate is the new Gladiator because you get like, like you get tricked into waving at them. You, you drive them up <laughs> and you see it. Dude that, so funny. It's not. It's a freaking Dude, that is so funny.
0: Dude, that is so funny. You like, you get tricked into waving at a gladiator. So you're saying you don't want to wave the <laughs> gladiator. Oh, that is so funny, man. You know, I'm I'm here you nor know, there on it. I think it's cool. Uh, in one aspect, it's like one of those things. Like, depending how I look at them, I can look at and probably how someone's done some work to it. Uh, you can look at it and go, man, that looks cool. And then other days, I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's got some great capability, though. That's for sure. Uh, it's it's definitely come I out the, the gate pretty good. the only problem that I
2: honestly have with them is I think, you know, if they would have called it something else totally altogether, I don't think I would have had an issue with them at all. I yeah. just have an issue with the fact that they called it a Gladiator.
0: And it's, yeah, they, it's a JKU a extended. <laughs> JKU yeah. with a bed. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I think if they would have changed they the grill if they would have made the grill more of what the gladiator grill was, that, that would have been a huge win. And there is, like, I guarantee there's probably some, uh, and I got to look, I know I saw it uh, before, but there's like uh, some aftermarket uh, front ends that they're, they're looking at to, you know, kind of make it, give it that old school gladiator look. But I think yeah. that would have been super cool, but they're just taking the, the, you know, the, the taking everything on the cheap. Hey, we already have those parts that can go here. You know I'm, it is what it is. Uh and I get it. Yeah. But from a manufacturer's perspective, but you know, Jeepers are a little bit snotty. It's just the truth. We are. We're very yeah. snotty. I, very I, much like Harley. You know, I, I had a Harley for years, and you know, you get snotty about it. But I will say this you mentioned it too. Motorcycle people wave to everybody. It doesn't matter what you're riding. You know? No. Cheap Rock wave. Rocket, it's a Wrangler loser, wave, <laughs> right? Zero, it doesn't matter. Like yeah, I remember. Like, it's yeah, you two. You would just choose what to do off the side, two down, however you want to do it. But yeah, it's a Wrangler wave. It's a Wrangler wave. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, so wrangler, you put,
2: Wrangler owners
0: are snotty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the so you did a lot of work, and and you know what's interesting you, you spoke about was you know if I would have known about what to look for all that kind of stuff i think that's a great point to bring out for people who are looking at used vehicles because what i did on mine was i went straight i didn't even look at the inside anything i just went straight into the undercarriage and looked at the armor there wasn't one scratch this guy was in town driving around miles there wasn't anything and if someone takes it off road one time you're going to get some uh scarring from something it's going to scrape on a little hill you're going to see something on that armor that's going to show like oh yeah this thing had definitely been off-road and uh and then on top of it just all the other things you know now that you kind of look at um for uh you know how much off-roading they they may have so what are some of the parts that you had to kind of out the gate replace with your your your, uh use jk
2: oh man so uh right out the gate pretty much tires because You're sitting there looking at these mud terrain tires that were on it. And as soon as I got it, I was driving it home. I went and took it in to uh, get them rotated and stuff because I didn't know when they were going to be rotated. And they immediately went into the, you need new tires. And I'm like, what do you mean I need new tires? Aren't those like good tires? I got some knobs left on them. And and I've had other off-road vehicles before just use like an all-terrain tire. And so I was kind of thinking they were altering. So tires were shot when I got it, which not a big deal. You have to replace those all the time. But I went from, I had to replace hoses. There was a radiator, developed a leak within less than Mm -hmm. 3,000 miles. Um, My emergency brake didn't work. Oh, that's crazy. I talked it up to having big tires. No, that wasn't it. (laughs) That's pretty Um, crazy. Brake. Yeah, there there was a lot of little things, and I mean, it was I don't know, like you said, if I would have known to get underneath the undercarriage and and look at different stuff like that, and know that, so when they here's the big thing, this was absolute big thing, and this was something I passed on to somebody to my brother that bought a Jeep. Um, they had they had lifted mine two and a half inches, and I was like, okay, it comes with a lift. That's cool. Well, there's one way to do a lift, and then there's was the it right a puck lift. lift. Was no, it? they actually changed the coils out, but that was it. They didn't do anything else. The shocks were shot because they were not shocks that were rated for a two and a half-inch right. lift. yep. They were your stock shocks, and they were blown. And I didn't know that. And the two and a half-inch lift, it's like, okay, I'm just a common guy. I I don't have all the money in the world. I mean, I'm retired out of the military, and I don't work another job. My wife works. My wife works, but we don't make crap tons of money. So I can't go out and buy a $10,000 lift, but you can get a really good lift for just a couple hundred bucks. And it's like they bought, they had the cheapest freaking lift you could probably think of on the face of the planet on this thing. And I upgraded it twice now because the first time I upgraded, I thought I was getting an okay lift, but it wasn't capable of doing everything I needed the Jeep to do. So I had to do the lift again. So the research of your lift and the research of the parts and sometimes spending a little extra money does go a long way. I know a lot of times we try to scrimp by with, Oh, I, I, I can make this work. It's like, yeah. Right. Bubble gum and bailer wire ain't going right. to make it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't going to make it. That's you off the mountain when you break something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you made a good so, point though. Yeah. I mean, you know, spend a little bit, yeah, cause I, I, I think, I've only had two lifts on my Jeep and I started off on something on a brand that was a little bit more affordable when I first put it on. It lasts probably two, three years. And then I put something else on and then I started just interchanging uh, things. And I just went to my third set of springs recently um, because my Jeep's a daily driver and I, I made some choices to, to modify some things to where I lost a little bit of height, but I got a lot more road comfort out of it. But you know, there you go. You know, yeah. the thing about it is, is yeah, because and, and, I like enduring products, and that's because I mean I run an off road brand, and, and people hit me up well, "What do you think?" I said, "Well, I always tell them, hey, you know, you can get something that looks good, but you want to get something that's enduring, that's going to last a while, and you know, for however long you hold that Jeep, you should hopefully that part's going to hold up for that time period, and you know, some things, obviously like tires, you're going to replace filters, you know, hoses, lines. That's that's okay." But there's some products that should be, you know, like your engine, it should last pretty much a extremely long time. As long as you keep up the maintenance yeah. with it. I mean, I'm sitting about 220,000 miles with root and, uh, the, yeah, the engine's tight, man. So, I mean, just gotta take care of it.
2: Yeah. I, mean, I got like 150,000 miles on mine and she's still running strong. I mean, I got a couple of things I'm in the process of fixing right now, but the engine itself is still running strong. So... And I've got the that 3.8 liter that everybody
0: hates. You know what? It depends on the factory that yours is built, it's though, good- man. That's what I found out. I found out if pretty much if you were built in factory A, you probably have crappy 3.8s. If you were built in factory B, uh, you're probably okay. Like, that's pretty much the yeah. what, what I have found out. Because every time I've taken it in to, you know, get get some work that I'm just not going to do, They'll ask me about it, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you should be fine. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> but uh, it, a lot of it goes to the factory. Um, I did have to replace my transmission um, a little over a year ago. The uh, That Chrysler transmission is was horrendous. And what the transmission shop told me was that specific transmission is good for about 75,000 miles. It was mass-produced. It was put in vans, Jeeps, all sorts of different, you know – you know, different products that Chrysler put out. And he's like, yeah, man, I think, you know, you did pretty good for how long that one lasts. And they put a a (laughs) different one in and uh, pretty much same, same series, just a a different uh, manufacturer, I guess. But, um, but yeah, the uh, transmission, but yeah, I've heard the same things, but my transmission is the only big item I've ever had to replace. I'm now just going to replace the, uh, radiator and the uh, intercooler just because i think it's just this time i want to i want to put new stuff in before it just doesn't work you know it's just when you get that when your miles get up you just kind of know that hey you know beat beat the broken part before it breaks
2: yeah no definitely definitely it's, it's like i just bought one of those new uh really called the it's a trailer it's the uh black series Trailers out of Australia. I don't uh-huh. you've
0: seen those. No, I'm not. So i
2: the Dominator. Okay. So, well, I got I got the Dominator series of the Black Series trailer. They're awesome off-road. They'll pretty much go everywhere the Jeep will go. And it's got a queen-size bed and a dinette and pull-out stove and fridge. I mean, kind of got the works. But I pulled it behind my Jeep. So I went down and got gears done. Well, here locally, we have a place called Just Differentials. Uh And they do nothing but nitro gears. I'll tell you what, a gear job, make or break a Jeep. It just makes it, mine is so much better now. Like, I pull that trailer like it's nothing. And it's a 3,000-pound trailer. I mean, it's, like, towards the higher spectrum of what a Jeep's supposed to pull. Right. And I have no problem at all
0: yeah that's uh, that's so, interesting what'd you go with far as your gears because you're coming out with the rubicon you have 488 so what did you select with i had the i went uh
2: 513 okay so i don't have as much top in anymore which is fine but i've got plenty of crawl power and plenty of tow power yeah and where i live like every once in a while i have to jump on the freeway to do 70 miles an hour and i'm like look if i'm going too slow for you you can just go around i don't care right now because you know, you're, if you're pulling the trailer anyway you're doing the 55 like well most people are doing the 55 like they're supposed to
0: <laughs> yeah the well that might be Washington state i know here man it's like on our you know in north carolina it doesn't really have like you know your california highways and stuff like that that's for sure um you know you'll might, you'll be lucky to have two lanes going, you know, opposing directions, but like seventies usually yet. I haven't had an issue, but you know, with 3.8, you don't, you're not having, you're not getting four momentum very quickly, especially like I got 35s on. Um, and you know, I'm, what are you running for Tires? 35s. Yeah. So, you know, the deal, man, you're not, you're not there for speed. So it's going to take you a little bit. No. Um, but I'm not pulling. You're,
2: you're I, driving a
0: Jeep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not pulling that, that amount of weight though. Uh, I'll pull, I have a trailer, But I think I'm probably pulling about maybe even when it puts stuff on about two k, two thousand pounds, maybe twenty three hundred, somewhere around there. Um, Yeah, and I haven't had the issue pulling
2: a trailer like that. If if you're not going to upgrade, like if you're not going to go with a heavier trailer, and that's probably the biggest trailer you ever pull with your Jeep, then your gear ratio is probably fine. I just knew I was going into a different
0: direction. Yeah, like
2: like, I was just curious.
0: Yeah, because I, I I think it's a great thing that you did that, and you were wise enough to make that choice because it's probably something that that trailer's going with you a lot of places all the time now.
2: Oh yeah, like this, and the reason why we went with it is just so like I could set up hunt camp, and when we get back, I have a place to go and like right. get some food. Me and the wife on the weekends we take off and go someplace, and it's like it's comfortable. I can throw the kayaks on top of it and. You know go out to some fishing holes that we want to go to and you know i take trips down to cali like i said and it's like i and i take it you know off-roading and everything so when i'm down there hanging out with my brother you know it's like we go out drop the trailer off set up camp and then we go you know wheel in the desert or or whatever you know it's and while i'm staying at my brother's place i just stay in my trailer i don't have to worry about somebody housing me for for the week i have my own peace and quiet
0: yeah, those rooftop tents, trailers, all that—I mean, they're just really good. I've been on the fence about how—I'm still not sure how I want to set up. I'd like the the freedom of certain things um i don't know i I've, I've actually been my wife has a tahoe but it's one of the uh off-road uh ones that's off-road package in it and i told her said you know yeah. when when you're ready to just change out i think what i'm gonna do i'm gonna rip off all the spoiler stuff out of this thing you know put a lift on it and i'm gonna make that an overland vehicle because it would be perfect for that there you kind go. of stuff you know put some uh put a lift yeah. put on some beefier tires put a rooftop temp on and then you know kind of like start building it out from there but Cause they're so big, man, and uh, you know I don't know I don't know. It's like one of those things where you're like, eh, eh. Think about it. Probably changed my mind a few times, but I think a Tahoe would be it. I seen uh, that we had someone on here. Uh, gosh, I can't remember. God, I forgot their name, but they were doing this the Overland thing out of their uh, like Land Cruiser, and they did a really good setup. And you know, just seeing the creativity, a lot of different people. Um, I love the 350 vans that been converted and with the off-road package and guys have done that. Oh, it was yeah. like, really cool. That's it just, you know, what it, you know, whatever that goal is, but it's, it's also what you're willing to invest. Uh, if we have a guy, uh, Sir William goes, sometimes he'll contribute to the show. And uh, right now he's RVing it. But when he first started overlanding, it was literally in his, uh, Toyota four runner. And he had an air mattress. Like, so people yeah. think they have to have all these big, you know, frills if you will and, and you know comfort things but honestly you, you really don't oh no um i was overlanding before overlanding wasn't even a thing they didn't even realize it and that was in my xj oh yeah and i was like yeah just the way i set up my gear and you know during when i slept i slept on my stuff and you know pull it out when i want to stop and yeah it's crazy what but those trailers are awesome and i think they you know the cool thing about it is they've listened to the people like hey that's great to have a camper but i want to take my stuff and go i want to go off road oh, yeah. with it i don't want to just sit by the lake or go to a campground or rv spot um and so those trailers oh, yeah. give you that yeah, freedom sure. man so that's pretty cool exactly so you know, you know when we will we'll roll back to hunting real quick, cause I don't want to skip this thing, specifically because it comes out with your, your whole Jeep hunt outdoors. And we probably should have covered this like, I don't know, 40 minutes ago. <laughs> so what, tell us a little <laughs> about what is Jeep hunt outdoors? Like, like what is that brand of yours? Okay. So, um,
2: I'm going to, I'm going to take this back a little bit. So when I retired out of the military and we, uh, we moved up to Washington. So I'm originally from Southern California. My family's down there. I got two brothers. My dad's still alive. Mom passed away, you know, a while ago. But when I moved up here to Washington, me and my brothers were always, send, me and my brother, my youngest brother, Patrick, we were sending pictures every day back and forth, you know, like the stuff we were doing. He, he's big into the outdoors, too. So we were sending pictures back and forth and one day we got the bright idea, oh hey, let's start a uh, a YouTube channel. Or not a YouTube channel, I apologize, an Instagram channel. Let's start an Instagram channel and we will post pictures on Instagram to keep up in contact. So it was a way for me and him to communicate back and forth without having to just constantly text each other. Right. So we got Started into that. And then one thing kind of led to another. Next thing you know, we got our own logo. And then we got this. He was the one that took all my life lessons about a Jeep and made a better choice. So, <laughs> <laughs> you did your job then. He was one to buy it. Yeah. Well, he was one to buy a Jeep. And I told him the first thing was, I was like, don't get one that's modded out. And he goes, what? And I go, buy a stock Jeep. Like, find whatever Jeep you're looking for in your price range and make sure that soccer mom had that. And she was driving it around town. He goes, why? And I go, it's just going to save you a a ton of headaches in the long run. So that's what he did. He started looking around, crawled underneath it. I told him the whole thing about looking underneath and seeing if there was anything scratched up. Make sure it looked like it had highway miles on it. I go, you're just going to have a way better time. And that's what he did. And so when you look on our Instagram page, you'll always see like a black Jeep and then a yellow Jeep. Well, the yellow Jeep's mine and the black one is his. So... That's how Jeep Hunt Outdoors kind of got started as a way for me and him to kind of communicate and keep in touch. We were sharing moments, I guess, is what you would call it. That's cool, man. That's a great so story.
0: Me, yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. So the the name
2: itself was basically kind of I mean, kind of generic. If you want, you want to say it. It, it was catchy. Don't get me wrong, but we were like, we both hunt, we both enjoy the outdoors, and we both own jeeps. Uh, Jeep Hunt Outdoors it was kind of like a two day process to come up with a name and we just kind of started sharing those moments and we've kind of been steadily growing. I want to say we have a niche group of followers, you know, that kind of do the same, like, like how me and you were talking about the Jeeps and we hunt and we fish and we enjoy the outdoors and it's a niche group of people. We're just trying to motivate other people to just get outside, have a good time. Heck yeah, man the common blue-collared working man can do it than anybody can. I mean, I don't think it's too hard, to be honest with you.
0: No, it's motivation. And that's it. It's just To me, it's like motivation. Um, And there's so much joy to be captured if you're willing to put yourself out there. Uh, I think that's it. I think there's a lot of hesitation of judgment. I think that's a lot. And I think social media has – that's – That's the thing I hate about social media because you see it with adults and you can only wonder how uh, it affects kids. But I have talked to so many people that were like, yeah, I would have done it. But I wasn't sure because you see how people react to things on social media like, hey, I went out, got this great bow. I really love it. And then you get Mr. Freaking, you know, I've been hunting for the last 20 years. I would never pick up one of those. Those things suck and all that. Yeah, You know, it's just it's horrible. And you got to tell people, hey, just don't listen to that. You're going out there. You're going out there for you. Get around some positive people. And anything that's positive, not positive, you just remove that out of your life. You don't need to that that person's nothing. No. You know, and and it's just yeah. noise. And and being able to tell people that. And, and I think that's one of the things is, is finding good places to be welcomed. You know the deal too, because you hunt, you see that in hunting pages. And again, and this is honestly I've, I've, I've talked about this a few times in a podcast, but you know, jeepers, as much as it's, you know, lovey dovey and we love all jeepers, it's not. There's a there's a chunk of the community a no. bunch of, you know, excuse my language, a bunch of assholes. And uh, it's just the truth. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, about, you know, oh, you need to get lockers for light bars and them, them idiots. Because the reality is this is, you know, it's their Jeep. Maybe they don't have, you know, three, four grand. They could just drop on a freaking, you know, good front axle that they want. They, they're they stuck with a 35, you know. Okay, no problem. Maybe they would just you know, just want to just get started into the, the group and just build from there. I just... Some of the that negativity, um, you just have to tell people, just tone it out, and and you know what those. What I love about doing all these activities is the fact that I'm not isolated in one box. And we talked about it a little briefly about where you know you have that veteran just go isolate to something that they enjoy, like whatever it was, video games, and they just put themselves in that shell, and that's the only thing. And I've seen that in different communities too, where people they do that one thing, and they're never going to get out of it because. They're the person for that field, which is cool and all. And if you're being a positive influence, that's great. But if you're just being an asshole, then, you know, that it's not doing anything for that community.
2: No, it's not. And I mean, you're absolutely right. There's, I've run into plenty of negative feedback, you know, on this whole entire journey that we've been on. And it definitely kind of, it'll dampen your mood sometimes, but you just can't let it. I mean, it's now. There yeah. is no wrong or right way to do stuff. There's there's your way. I mean, you know, with any vehicle, it doesn't matter if it's a Jeep. It could be a Toyota pickup truck. It could be a Suzuki Samurai. It could be the freaking Subaru, you know. You need it to do the things that you're doing. That, that's it. You know, right. I mean, just because you own a Jeep doesn't mean you got to put a 6-inch lift or 40-inch tires on it because, well, that's what the rock crawlers do. It's right. like, yeah, no. You know, I've got a two and a half inch lift on 35. I've done rock crawling. It's not something I do all the time, but I can do it when I need to. But for the most part, I'm hitting dirt roads and back, you know, fire break trails. And, you know, I mean, I do, you know, we, we do complicated stuff, but I'm not into breaking stuff. I want to have a good time, (laughs) you know, I want to go home and not tell my wife that I got to spend 10 grand
0: to replace the axles underneath <laughs> my rig I mean, just, yeah man you know <laughs> yeah it's okay so, when it's not their yeah. stuff man i know exactly you're talking about uh, right there like oh yes yeah, so we could talk about a lot of that different things but you know so are you a part of any jeep clubs or any hunt clubs or anything like that no not really there's a couple clubs i belong to um i
2: don't, I don't even know if you call them clubs they're uh organizations i guess Okay. yeah so have you ever heard of veterans
0: overland i am member number 38
2: oh nice to meet you i
0: don't <laughs> even
2: remember what number i am
0: What's you're like 300 name? something right um, probably yeah yeah i um, could have swore like uh, guys
2: in person
0: uh-huh
2: i've literally the, the guys they're that from that, that area though person. right they're they're from the pacific
0: northwest they're
2: yeah they're uh down in um Oregon mm-hmm. and they came up to Washington for the we have the plain Washington overland rally right that they do here every year minus the covid year um so they're up here. I've met them and then I met them again when I went down to Oregon for the Toyo Tire overland rally that that was the first year they put it on a couple years ago. Um, they treat me in any any member that they meet they treat you like you're one of the, one of the guy. like they've known you their whole life. Like we've right. together. And it doesn't And So here's my story about this. You're going to get a kick out of this. So I'm sitting down at the plane rally and I was sitting in on a solar class on how to do up uh, solar power and stuff like right. that. I didn't learn a damn thing. I was paying attention. Didn't learn nothing. It's like way above my head.
0: Anyway, <laughs> it's just batteries and panels, <laughs> like that's man. That's it. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what
2: the hell? So I'm sitting here and I'm paying attention to this class and, and we're going on. And all of a sudden this guy sits down next to me and he puts his hand out to shake my hand. He goes, Hey, Sean, blah, blah, blah. I'm such and such. And I was like, how do you know my name? You know, like, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it's like, this guy knows me. And he goes, well, I'm the what is this position? One of the three top guys that runs that and they're, they're small.
0: They are not like, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. But they pulled up what he did is he was standing behind me and I happened to have my bag on my back that has my patch on it with my member number. Right. He pulled his phone out, went through his list of members numbers until he found my name and then approached me so that he can make it a more personable meet and greet. Right. And I was like, dude, You literally—I mean, how many organizations do you know where they take that? But because they're still small, that's what they want to do. They want—they want everybody to feel at home when they're around. I mean, you can go over to the thing as a member. It's—do you go sit down underneath their little tent where they're selling their shirts and stuff, and just sit there and chill and just have a good time, talk, drink some beers, you know, tell war stories, have a great day. You know, I pulled into the Toyo event and they immediately um jeff immediately saw me like he just seen my jeep and he was like oh dude that's sean and he started waving at me he's like hey man you need to park with us like i had a totally separate area that i had you know reserved but he wanted me to park over by them because i was part of yeah that community
0: yeah they're a great group and man they just cool they, oh yeah they are I've, i don't totally chat with are. them often but when they first started out I was chatting with them back and forth a little bit and stuff, and 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 uh, yeah, they're they are. I, I enjoy their growth and and what they're doing. I think they've inspired other spinoffs and and different factors and individual levels. And uh, you're also an Overland Bound member. I don't remember that number. Yeah. It's easy to remember the veteran Overland one. I don't remember the the Overland <laughs> Bound one. But I do. What is crazy is I know that all of my numbers that add up, and this wasn't even planned. All of them add up to sixteen. When you add the numbers up, they, uh, they are, it is 16. I was like, Ooh. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so
2: uh, you know, I've never tried to add my numbers up. I might have yeah. to do that at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. But, um, yeah, no,
2: uh, Overland, Valdez, uh, I love it. It, they're, they're a pretty good community. I've met a couple of them too. I've actually met, um, the husband and wife that do all the YouTube videos. Yep. I met them at a four by four, um, convention thing on a weekend they're, they're, they're pretty nice people. I mean, I like what they did with their forms and stuff. And it's a really good community to belong to. It seems like they're great not... resource community. Very good resource community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, which, you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of four by four clubs. I know there's a lot of hunting clubs and organizations out there, but I, I honestly, I mean, the advice that I would probably give anybody about joining any of those is do some research first. Yep. You know, I mean, not all clubs are cracked up to be what they want to be. You know, I, and not only that, I mean, you could, if you started joining every club in the local area that you were in, depending on what area you live in, you could be spending your tire money on memberships for clubs every year. Right. So, you know, I mean, the cool thing about Overland Bound and, um, Veteran Overland is like Veteran Overland, it's a one, one time shot, which, you know, there's other ways to give back to their community by buying T-shirts and stuff like right. that. But and I, I've got a few of their T-shirts and a hoodie. I mean, I sport their gear, even though I got my own gear. But I sport their gear still because they're awesome. They,
0: oh, I'm with you, man. You yeah, yeah, and, they, they're good people. I have no problem like celebrating yeah. the people that are doing good. And you know, I think that's what brings a good point with the clubs and organization. It's what are they doing that is enhancing everything around them. Because I the problem I see with you know certain clubs and certain organizations is it really about the cause or is it just using the cause to make it about them? And you that's where I look at. I really go through social media when I'm looking at you know people I want to bring on here or or you know uh, brands I want to associate with. I had this conversation, I had a great conversation with two friends of mine uh, that we served in the Marines together in, in the, the Force Reconnaissance community, and you know, that was one thing we talked about was you see a lot of people like using like an event, like, Hey, there's this, uh, you know, sick kid or, you know, someone who needs assistance because their house burned down, but then you go on social pages and all you see is their Jeep or, you know, their happy face of themselves and, you know, their friends, but you're not really getting a lot of the story of what they're supporting. And, and uh yeah i just that's the thing i kind of look at and i i'm like you know and i don't think some people do it intentionally but if you're going there to celebrate or to, to celebrate someone's life that's passed, or you're going there to you know help a cause you know let it be about that not about getting your yes. you know light count up for that day so i, I think that's oh yeah you're no, looking at. definitely yeah, the uh, but at, yeah, yeah, do your research, find out about it. I, I, I'm pretty fortunate. Like in this area, there's a couple of great clubs that I associate with. That you know they're very you know family oriented. They do try and do things that help out community and such. Um, and and that's what I look for. And obviously, I can't for me my time. I'm dude. I'm I'm all over the map. But <clears throat> when I can participate, or I can join them, or I can bring the Route One Six brand in to help them bring uh you know information about their cause or group or whatever uh, i definitely do and and then when people ask me uh, i I can push people their way too um they can be a resource when it comes to hey let's go trail riding let's you know go camping let's you know may not know the places to go to uh maybe you need some help with you know fixing a part they're a great resource for that but you know, I think the the hard part, too, with clubs, too, is you got to stay true to yourself. Don't try and just spit in. It's kind of like the whole high school thing. Um, just because someone else put that on yeah. a Jeep doesn't mean you need to, just because they did. You know, oh, no, you need to go with this. Well, do your research. Your money, your Jeep, don't – if you want to put – I yeah. don't like angly, angry bird grills. I think they're ugly, but that's not my Jeep, and anyone <laughs> that has that, that's cool. Okay. Hey, you know what? I'm – you know, we just might have a little bit of a banter, but I will absolutely respect the fact that, you, hey, that's your look, and I'm, I'm cool with it because it's your
1: Jeep.
2: Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. I, you know, you've got you to gotta do what makes you happy. Um, you know, there's, there's an old saying, and I, I don't even remember where it comes from, but it's like you can't take care of other people until you take care of yourself. Yep. And I think that really applies is, you know, do what you need to do to make yourself happy. And you'll fit in to these organizations and clubs a lot better, or you'll find organizations and
0: clubs that fit your lifestyle. That and that's that yeah, that's important. Part or your part. Yeah, the interviews both ways. I always tell like you know when mm-hmm. people go job interview, hey, remember the interviews both ways. It's not just them interviewing you; you're interviewing them. See if they're worth your time. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying that in a snotty way, exactly. but when you say yes, you just contributed a piece of your life to this job and position and that has to be worth something to you and you know remember interviews go both ways and and stuff okay i want to make sure we hit this because i don't want to avoid it so there's two two things i definitely want to talk about you have that duck on your logo so obviously you're an avid duck hunter and you have a wonderful (laughs) dog that i can totally tell you're pretty attached to so i figure those two go together so let's talk about that what's up with the duck hunting
2: so, um, that thing is kind of funny is when I first got up here, I never even wanted to duck hunt. I always thought, man, it's freaking too cold. I don't want to be out at three o'clock in the morning, freezing my butt off duck hunting. Um, I always wanted a turkey hunt to be honest. Oh
0: dude. I love turkey but, hunting.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm still working on that. I haven't gotten a turkey yet, but you know, sometimes like one of my hunting partners moved away that did the turkey hunting and then, you know, we got to, I got to figure it out. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get there. Don't worry. Yeah. I'll get there. But, um, the duck hunting thing was my brother, he always wanted to duck hunt. Now, with that being said, I had another buddy that was like, Hey dude, he goes, uh, you want to go duck hunting this weekend? And I was like, uh, I've never been duck hunting. And he goes, well, I'll take you duck hunting. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I've, I've never done it. I go, I'm, I'm not really too keen on it. And he's like, oh, come and try it. And he kept pushing me. One of those hunting partners, you know, that just kind of. Right. Ate, yeah. I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah.
2: So I was like, okay. And he was like, my dad's got an extra set of waiters. Me and him me and his dad are kind of the same size. So he was like, they should fit you. And he goes, Well, me and my other buddy, we'll get you out and we'll we'll take you duck hunting see if you like it. Well, first day duck hunting, I was hooked. That was it. I like the duck hunt. Now, I would love to go duck hunting every day. That's not gonna happen. Um I'm forty eight. I hurt all the time. And you know, I I go out when I can. Right. But I love it. It's fun. It's enjoyable.
0: You know, I haven't, Um, I haven't got the hook yet. And so I I know, uh, a couple people uh, that they just got hooked recently and stuff. I just, for me, man, when I look at these mallards and Canadian geese, I'm like, man, I feed those things at a pond. I just. I, I know, I and I gotta separate that. It's like when, and I, I understand it. I really do because when people I talk about turkey hunting with people, they're like, "Man, how is that challenging?" I see them on the side of the road all the time, but they, they don't look too smart. But people don't realize just <laughs> what a challenging game turkey can be. And but that's the oh, thing yeah. is I'm not in that wild duck environment. It's probably, I'm in the docile. These guys, you know, they're they're they know they ain't nothing shooting at them here. But when they're in the <laughs> wild, it's a little bit different but it's also a, oh, yeah. a, a very you have to do a lot of preparation for duck hunting. I, I think that's not something oh, like yeah. you go there's deer a, hunt you just, you know, jump in a stand and and I know I'm water all the done at deer hunters, I'm not trying to like I'm just saying from logistics wise, not all the prep wise, but like logistic wise, you just you, there's a lot of stuff, your blind, your decoys, your gear, your you know, all the different gear you need and also getting to the spot because obviously you're probably going to like a lake area you know, uh, yeah, it's a challenge, man. Are you doing kayak or yeah, boat? Definitely can do. So actually, um, bank,
2: do a lot of bank. Okay. Um, so I'm, I, I do a lot of my hunting off, uh, a lot of my duck hunting off the Columbia river. Okay. Which is a pretty big freaking river. I mean, is that public land? But, uh, yeah. Awesome. Once you get outside of the city limits at a certain point, it turns into public land. Okay. So, and there's a lot of, a lot of different spots. I, I just found a couple new ones the other day that I'm still like stoked to go give a try and I'm not even going to have to decoy or anything. It's pretty much just hike into this spot and they kind of land in there because nobody ever comes in there anymore. So it'll be like a honey hole on a weekend.
0: Oh, nice. Be nice. Do you have to do any, I don't know anything about duck hunting. So do you, what in that situation, when you still do calls about the decoy or you just sit there, be quiet. And then when you look at the opportunity, you take it yeah
2: so there the guy that introduced me to the spot he stopped hunting it about six years ago, I guess okay, um, and he was telling me he he takes a chair out there and sets up in the bushes and just chills and waits
0: dude that sounds he had like a, he it's, a duck
2: or two send the dog in
0: It sounds like dove hunting Which is a nice that's what activity. that sounds like sounds like dove hunt. you sit down, you got your bucket like, stand up dove. Be. <laughs> 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 so i've
2: never I've never shot a dove um something i wouldn't mind trying but it's one of those things too it's like i don't even know where to go up here for Dude, dove right they're like now. sky um, ninjas man
0: couple. they're sky ninjas <laughs> like let me let me so let me set so, the the environment here for you for dove hunts since you brought it up okay so there is a cornfield okay out here i'm just going to explain how it is here like you know, there's a cornfield so i went public dove hunting just uh, with my son uh it was his first time dove hunting and um you sent, we scoped out the spot. We found out where we're going to go. Like the day before this is going, where we're getting this time. So we get in there and really you're just like that. You got your chair, you got your ammo, a lot of ammo. Um, you got a bucket. And then you set out maybe a few decoys and stuff. And right as sun up, like when that's, when it's sunrise, I think sunrise, it was like 605. It is literally the first dove that comes in the field. And this field is surrounded by no less than 40 hunters. Okay. You're in like a square cornfield, right? And so like maybe three or four days before the season opens, they actually crop that field. So they're, they, they'll are they they leave lanes, like they'll cut up most of the, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll harvest most of the corn and you'll see some of it on the ground and stuff, but they'll leave like strips of, of the field though. So like sections, if you will. And there's all these hunters all around, which is, you know. And again, this is public land too. You don't know any of these cats. And it, it is just crazy. You'll see this dove like come from the left side of the field and just. And that thing will fly all the way through the field, man. And it's probably, let me see, like 40, so too, like uh, no less than 80 rounds, 80, 80 shot shells. So I, how many pellets Holy that could be so. right so you can you got like you know I'm thinking at least everyone's probably got at least two shots they have got off on that thing maybe not three but definitely two yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> doosh, well, doosh, it's crazy what I man that's like
2: about bird hunting
0: yeah like, I mean
2: bird hunting is the dynamic of it is so dear so like deer hunting it's like you shoot a deer you normally if it is done right and I know it does not always get done right there are circumstances to this but it's usually one shot drop you know you you take your shot you down your deer you go skin it bone it drag it whatever you're going to do to it get it back to the truck and you're done yeah there's this the the climactic ending to that is just kind of like okay that's cool but the meat process of filling your freezer was pretty fast I mean you you did it quick So, which is nice, but bird hunting, it's like, it lasts, you know, whether it's grouse, chuck or quail, you know, even turkey, sometimes it's like, I know I can get like three tags here. I think it is. Yeah. So like you, you can, you can go out multiple times, even after you got your first, second or third, or your seven ducks on the first day, get another seven on the second, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot to it you know it's like it kind of keeps you active more and i think that's what i enjoy about it which led into the reason why
0: i never looked at it that way i like that i like that that's that's a great way to look at it yeah i never really thought about that yeah more
2: opportunities to get out so like deer hunting for me i enjoy it don't get me wrong um but it's like 10 days you you got like a 10-day stretch for a rifle Uh You know, so like I do rifle hunting. I tried the bow. I did it for a couple of years. My shoulders just cannot take it anymore. Um, and I just can't see tuning it all the way down to 40 pounds, which is the bare minimum here. Right. And you're like having to close all this distance and all this other stuff. It's like, okay, like I, I'm a good shot with a rifle. I'm going to just keep using my rifle. You know I mean? And I still try to shoot with like within 200 yards. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I'm not a guy that goes for the 600 yard. Cause I, I just, I feel there's too many things that could go wrong. Yeah. It's, you want to like, do a humane shot.
0: And that's a big thing. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I, I get it. Like, yeah. I, and, I, and also too, you don't know what's in between that. You know, there's just so many variables. No, it just, I'm not yeah. downing
2: anybody that does the longer shot. I yeah. mean, it's like, if you're proficient with it and you can do it, that's great. You know, yeah. um,
0: for elk, I see it, cool, but I, I just, just, I don't, for big giant, kind of you know that type of animal i for like a deer i yeah. i mean like that's a lot of scope that's a lot of glass you got to bring out there so
2: oh yeah you know and that's that's what and i mean you know as well as that well like i was i started my military career back in 92 so you didn't have like red dot scopes crap on your oh, no, AR. i know man i know Fix sights.
0: yeah i was 89 dude
2: yeah you know getting used to a scope is, yeah you know some of these guys that i hunt with i mean they've been hunting with a scope their whole life you know i mean most of the guys i hang out with they're in their 20s which is cool because their backs are way better than mine so when we're deer hunting it's great but, <laughs> <laughs> which you know it's it's a good deal i mean it works out but i'm not I guess i'm just not that proficient with the glass i don't have enough trust in it maybe that they do maybe
0: that's the problem i i just for me man there's just so many variables for for like that it's not saying i can't hit some i can absolutely hit some at 600 yards it's just when you're hunting i mean dude i will not take a shot unless i know absolutely i got that thing it's it's dialed in and it's going to go where it needs to go i mean it's I want a humane yeah. shot. I don't yeah, want to like shoot this thing in the gut and and, and all it's just it's just not the type oh, of yeah. hunter I am, man. Um, you know, if I maybe well, if I was a I starving hunter, you. I get it. Like, hey, I got it's an opportunity, I gotta take it, but I'm not in that situation. Oh, yeah. So yeah.
2: Yeah, and and that's the thing is like we're you know, we can go to the supermarket to get food if we need to. We're not in a yeah in a lifestyle yeah. where it's like live or die. Right. So it's like don't take those shots i mean most hunters i believe i i want to keep a positive mentality on this and i know it's not always positive but most hunters, i believe are ethical you know they they're yeah. one shot kills you know we're not out there to try to you know we're not murdering anything we're we're filling the freezer we're yeah. doing our part for conservation we are you know eating healthy i mean
0: Hunters are the best environmentalists, man. For the most part, they are.
2: Yeah, I you mean, know? you gotta, you know, people are like, oh my god, you killed that deer, and it was like, yeah, but you know that the deer, if they get overpopulated, they get diseases, and yep. they get all kinds of crappy stuff. I mean, I watched a guy burn a tag on a doe that was like mangled, like she wasn't gonna last the winter, right? And he wasn't gonna keep the meat, like it had gotten chewed up by some coyotes and managed to get away, right? And he burned the tag on her. He had a doe tag and he burned his, and now getting a doe tag is like, you got to put in for it. You're burning point. And he burnt his tag on this mangled up doe that would have died within the next couple of days. But, you know, you're sitting here and you're looking at this animal and it's not right. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, you, you can't tell me that you looked at that animal and didn't feel any remorse for it. It's like, you know, come on. It's like, she doesn't need to suffer like this. You know, it's like, put her down, right. eliminate her suffering, let her move on to the next stage of her life. I mean, come on, you know, and I, I think most hunters would react the same way. True hunters, you know?
0: Oh, I agree with you, man.
2: So I, it's I, like, yeah,
0: I agree. With I'm you
2: not here. a trophy guy. It's like, when I go out deer hunting, it's, I see a legal buck, I'm taking it. I, I'm not going to wait for the bigger one down the road. You know, it's like I'm not out there to do antlers. I'm out there to fill the freezer. You know, I, nothing better than cooking a homemade meal with the with the deer that you just got that week and put food on the table for your family. And I mean, it just yeah, I, don't I think that people understand the just true nature of being a hunter. They 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 will never experience. Yeah, so from- that portion of
0: manhood, I guess. <laughs> well i would i would just say <laughs> far as just being the the honey aspect for for our, the human nature of things like they have gotten away from that whole yeah survivalists in a way where that's that's how we ate like you can go back and oh yeah if, if someone did not go out and hunt they didn't eat we are you know our ancestors going back to the cave days and stuff that's something they had to hunt so they just had to but um going back to something you said like the, the, the trophy thing like I, i'm I'm with you and my friend uh chuck he said it i thought he put it in very good context like me i'm not i'm not a person that really gets too big on the 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 trophy stuff but he's like you know it's kind of you can sit there and and, you know you mount that deer or that you know uh harvest and you um you look at it it's it's a memory that's forever captured and you can just think about the entire thing and I, i think the way he put it I just never looked at it like that. And I was like, man, I, I totally get that. Um, I, I So like my son, his first pig harvest, he's got his pig skull and he's got his first, he got a button buck. His first deer this year was a, a button buck and he's got that on his desk okay. and it, i mean i every time i look at those i don't you know i'm it's not the grody things you're thinking about you're thinking about that entire day that h- entire hunt that sh- you know that whole all the components of it that you're able to a- and share with it and you're celebrating the animal in many ways because um, it was a challenge to even get and, and you know it wasn't like it just oh yeah showed up and said hey shoot me um you know but yeah. um no i i in-
2: I'm the same way. I a European mount all my deers, um, on my deer rack, and I've got a three by three or a a three by two sitting right next to a four by four, and I'm just as proud of the four by four as I am that three by two. Yeah, like it it doesn't bother me. Like I I look at because each one of those is a memory. Like I can look at that four by four and I can tell you exactly where I got him, how far the shot was. And what happened in that time frame, and then turn right around to that three by two and tell you just an interesting story about that three by two, yeah. probably more interesting about, him you know, than it was the four by four to be honest with you. So, I mean, it's like, you know, going out and just like, Oh my God, I got to get the biggest deer I could possibly find. And I got to beat yesterday's record. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm not seeing that, but you know, go, go ahead, do what you got to do, I guess.
0: You know, I have, it, I have it where it's like two ways. So if I'm on public public land, then I'm probably, you know, depending on population, all the research, you, you know how you can go back into the records and find how many harvests and what the year, the, the cycle is and stuff. You know, I'll sit there and I'm the same way. Like, hey, you know what? If I, I get an opportunity, I didn't really do a lot of po- – I only went on public land one time this year season just because I haven't been able to get out a lot this season. Um, But uh, yeah. for the property that, like this lease I'm on with two other guys – we really do try to follow a very strict QDMA pattern. So we're very hesitant to knock down a healthy buck. Um, We want that thing to get well beyond three years or so. So he can, you know, know, bring his, you know, bring his other champions in if you will. Um, But we have does for days, man. Like I'm telling you, I'll get a camera game cam in and I'll have like six or eight does in that thing. So these bucks, they're just having a field day out there. Um, I'm waiting for another like two yeah, years and, and seeing like some just monsters out there. Monsters come out, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. No, I, I'm not. I, I, just, I think it's just how you look at it. For a as, big, yeah, oh yeah. But if I run across a big, huge monster, well, yeah, I'm gonna take a shot.
2: i not, yeah. not even gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah. then I also have a track record too. It's like hunt one year and I take a deer and then for some reason the next year I go out hunting and I don't get anything so I scratch a tag that year so like you kind of you know like I don't know it kind of boils down to like the following year it's like just you know you're out if you see a couple track them see which one you want to want to harvest and you know have at it. And like I said, it's not, to me, it's not always like about how big that rack is. It's about the memories that you're sharing with yeah. your partners. And Cause I do not like hunting alone. I'll be honest with you. just, I get sketched out. I don't know, you know, if my back's going to be able to handle the carry a whole deer out. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know what's going to go wrong when I'm out. I like to have, you know, at least a pair, me and another right. buddy out doing our thing, having a good day.
0: Nah, it's know. cool, man. And I don't no.
2: mind going out a couple of days.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm like, that's one of the things my son, he's uh, 13 now, I'm gonna be 14 um, in April. And and that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing with him. And I'll go out with a, a couple guys every now and then, and depending on what we're hunting uh, and stuff. But I mean, I, we went, <laughs> so we, funny, I went to an outfitter that they come out from the same community I come from in the Marine Corps, and, and uh, they run an outfitter on the East Coast here in, in North Carolina. And it was opening uh, see, opening weekend for deer season uh, for rifle. <laughs> and what it was, these guys, they had a lot of buddies that were in the core with them when they were in the infantry. So before they came over to the constant community, they were in the grunts. And so a lot of their buddies from the grunts. And it, it was just, a, it was probably something that I wouldn't want to record. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, my my son got an introduction to just a lot of words he didn't need at that point, but but uh but it was just the camaraderie of things and, you know, being able to come like go out, go do your hunt for the day, come back together, get ready for the evening, go go out cuz we hunt pig and stuff too. And uh it was just yeah, man, it was really cool to do that and that uh, whole camaraderie and for him to kind of ex- experience that. In a way, because, you know, yeah, there was some crudeness just, you know, a bunch of, you know, you know, Marines out there, you know, being themselves, but, uh, there was, there was a lot of things, you know, you know, take that part of it away that just great lessons learned about the connection that these guys have had for decades uh, from you know the oh, yeah. little bit of time they served together in the Marine Corps, but yet it has endured for you know twenty years or longer, and for him to really capture something like that because it's it's one thing to see it from your dad and his buddy or something like that, but it's another thing to see it outside of that realm and say, look, yeah, man, this is this is honestly, unfortunately, not necessarily the norm either. But the fact that you can come together hunting. It just, I don't know, it kind of just brings it all together. I really, really did enjoy doing that with him. Um, And, uh, yeah, I said, hey, all that stuff, you don't bring that home, man. (laughs) He's like, I know, Dad, I know. (laughs) Like, but it was just, oh, my gosh, man. I don't need to elaborate, man. Just think of, think of, like, day, you know, 45 on the ship in the Pacific, you know, still bebopping around, not hitting port and, like, those classes, you know. So the stories that come out at that point. But um yeah man so I mean you know what dude I could sit here and talk to you for another hour and a half. I think this is just great and um I I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this and and I hope that uh they connect with you. So with that being said, how do be how do people find you? Uh where are you located at? Let them know. We'll make sure to put it in show notes show notes as well. So uh Right now
2: we're on Instagram, obviously. It's uh, Jeep Hunt Outdoors. You can just type it in, and the hashtag pops up pretty quick a lot of times nowadays. Um, So you can find us there. If you are on Facebook, I have a small Facebook page that's attached to our Instagram that's underneath the same name, Jeep Hunt Outdoors. And you can get us both on that. Also, we have started, and it's super small. Um, we're waiting for things to come in, but we started a online store. I got a business license and got all that good stuff set up. Um, it's in the bio of our Instagram page. And the big thing to do with that is I'm not trying to get rich. I am not trying to be a millionaire. We had had requests of people wanting a baseball cap or a t-shirt with our logos on it what me and my brother had decided to do is we were going to open the store and every year once we balance the books, get everything set aside, take what we made, take a portion of what we made and donate it to organizations that we feel are doing what we're doing. Oh, I love that. So like and it's like I said, it's not to make the money. It's I mean, yeah, you want the business to grow so it'll make money. Like I'm not going to lie. That's the way it works you know i got to you know you got overhead you got cost and we're keeping everything small so it's like you know if you get on there and then we don't have it one day you might have it the next and right now we just have our stickers out there but if you want to reach out and you want one of our stickers i'd more than glad just do trades or send you one um we have the stickers i'm waiting for baseball caps barracuzis and then we're going to start doing t-shirts yeah so right on all the money game and we're doing it really slow not trying to be like grunt style or anything with a uh, an inventory that will just completely fill your closet up for the rest of your life. But we are trying to just put a couple things out there so they can make a couple of dollars to give back to community projects or organizations that we think that are going to benefit like veterans and kids and stuff like that. So that's where we're at on that. And, um, as far as anything else goes, I, I don't think we're anywhere else. Um, reach out anytime you want to send an email you can get it off the instagram or facebook and or just message us through the instagram i'm more than happy to answer people's questions or talk to them about anything
0: yeah so, right on
2: man um and it's small i'm not a computer guy so all this stuff is just taking a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> you got a little
0: learning curve going on now nah, you'll get yeah, it man exactly. you'll get it it's uh you know it's
2: I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm still a crayon eater sometimes so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i know i am i'm okay with that the uh you know you'll get it because the thing about it is when you're you're involved in something like a project like that and as long as you continue to enjoy it and that's the thing is is when you're not enjoying it then that's that's where you start looking at stuff and you might have to rearrange and i've gone through those transitions with with my brand uh, route one six and you know i i I've had to kind of like teeter back a little bit, you know, I kind of lost myself and my time and all the things, I, the whole purpose of why, as long as you stay true to that, I think you're good. And I'm good now, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy where everything's going. I've got great sponsors. I got this podcast that I I'm, I'm glad to see where it's blossomed to where it's going, and we're still doing some good things and, you know, we'll just see nice. how it continues and stuff, but I'm really excited that, you know, you've been able to uh, find the time to strip away to have a conversation about you know Jeep Hunt Outdoors, a lot about you, share your experiences, and and I think there's a lot of people that I connect with uh, a lot of things you shared. So thank you, Sean, for your time. Uh, definitely stay connected. Uh, love to find some opportunity to where maybe we could do something together. It'd be really cool.
2: Definitely, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: All I right, really brother.
2: Enjoyed our time and the discussions, and hopefully, you can do this again.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Rock on. Hey, Simplify. 5, the Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Sea Steak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Sea Coffee. Sea Steak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com.
0: Well, that was a really long show, and I'm hoping that you enjoyed that interview uh, with Sean. I definitely did. We could have talked probably for another hour and a half, two hours, three hours, whatever. I'm gonna definitely stay in touch with him, and I also had a lot of projects going on. And I, I know that a few of y'all are like, you know, hey, when are you go put another episode out, and you know, I want to focus on at that moment. It's not because I didn't want to do the podcast, not because anything's bad's happening or anything like that. It's just that I kept putting stuff off to include you know, hunting thats something i really want to get into and, and, and get more knowledge on. And, and, you know, far as the areas that I'm looking to hunt and I didn't have a lot of opportunity to even get out and do that. And then obviously I had a lot of stuff going on with root the Jeep I needed to attend to. And then just life in general, personal things that I want to focus on, uh, with my hand radio stuff, I want to focus on knowledge and, and getting something up with that. And then my personal development, technical development, and, you know, far as my, the field that I'm in for, my job job. I need just a lot of things with that. And I need to put some time away to do those things. So uh, just for Brian and, and focus on that. Not that I don't love y'all cause I do. I appreciate all the support, especially those who've been me with me from day one. Uh, I, just so grateful, and I love that this show. Even though we've been putting out a podcast uh, last couple months, it's, it's been growing. Uh, I, you know, getting some five star reviews. Hey, if you leave a review, please leave some comments. I appreciate the five stars, and 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 I really do. But please leave some comments. I love to hear from you, and and if you have recommendations, that was something too. That it was pretty crazy. I got a couple people hit me up about you know some recommendation. Hey, it'd be really cool if you did this, really do that. Um, as you guys know, I have a big, you know, I would like less government in my life. So I had some people like talk to me about some things like that. I just want to be very clear here. I'm not anti like, Hey, I love America. It's just when this last election season, and I'm actually glad I do any podcast during this whole election. It's an embarrassment. This whole election season was an embarrassment. Um, we, we have a, an outgoing president that, you know, could have been a little bit more presidential in many aspects. Now Trump did do some good things, but there are also some things he didn't that were very good um you know does he was he a a good ambassador for you know all americans that's questionable i'm not saying that you know i don't hey i don't know the guy personally i just know that you know he could have did a better job and 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 respecting the office and the in many aspects and that was my personal opinion if you you don't listen to me anymore because of my personal opinion then hey that's cool then that's part of the problem is we're picking sides Uh, how about we just you know pick the argument if you're pro second amendment you should be pro second amendment not going well hey my guy said it's okay to you know line right out by organization bump stocks and all this other stuff i mean that's pretty shady that's that's absolutely shady so for all y'all think that trump's all second amendment no he's not uh then you got this other guy coming in with biden i mean i don't think the guy's going to make it four years for one and then two it's just the people elected him just because he wasn't trump it had nothing to do with stance uh, he it's just it's embarrassing it is absolutely embarrassing where our politics are we all have more in common than we realize and but when we choose sides and not choose to be you know united in the aspects of what we were trying to achieve as a people um you know government wants us separate they want to create this they want more power look what's going on with the covid and and i'm really not looking to turn a, a, the uh and the Cup of Joe series into this political forum. But I just want to say where I'm coming from because, you know, I'm going to be a little bit more vocal on certain things on this podcast with, you know, things that tie into the outdoors and stuff come to kind of probably heard a little bit of that with the, uh, that's why I want to talk about the land and water conservation fund uh, this podcast too. These are things that matter and we have to get involved, but we need to have conversations. If someone doesn't like, I don't care who you voted for. I will still hold a conversation with you. I'll still have a cup of coffee with you and we can talk about and share ideas and we can learn from each other. I'm fine with that. That's the problem. People don't want to do that. It is so ugly nowadays where people are like, you have to pick a side or it's all or nothing. And that's just not the case. There are some things we can agree on and and work towards or some things we may disagree on, but it's not saying we can't find common ground. and. I'm I literally this whole political season, uh, this uh, election season, I was absolutely embarrassed. Uh, I was embarrassed uh, for us as a people, um, as Americans. And I mean, (laughs) hey, I voted for Joe Jurgensen, man. Uh, There's some things I don't necessarily agree with her, but I like the fact that you know this is a person that's going to come in and and understand that the powers in the people, it's not into the government. And and when you have that much money that is involved in elections, it, it just I mean, look what's going on with Georgia uh, right now. It's insane. It's insane, and um, I'm hoping that we can do better. And for me as an individual, I, I'm trying to like this podcast is an outlet. The things I do with volunteer work in my community is an outlet. Uh, being involved in the different you know communities from the, the off road stuff to the hunting stuff and all that. I, being able to engage with people, it's going to help create solutions by sharing conversations, sharing ideas. But I'm back uh, on here and hopefully you guys uh, will continue to uh, listen. And I don't mean to go off on that commentary. It just, I don't know. I think it was a little buildup from all the election stuff. It just blows me away. But um, understand that you know, we can always talk. We may not agree, but that's okay. That's what a free, a true free environment is about listening to ideas that you may not agree with, but that person doesn't need to feel threatened because they shared the idea. That's what a true free environment is. And if you really are about freedom, Uh, You should understand that, and that part is what needs to be protected.
1: Thanks for listening to the Route 1-6 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, Sea State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Happy New Year! Yeah!